Attention. If you owe the IRS, this is an important announcement. COVID relief is over and the IRS is ramping up like never before, sending out millions of collection letters to start 2024. Do you owe $10,000 or more or have unfiled returns? Now is the time to act. The IRS can garnish your wages, seize your property, and they can even take your home or your business. Don't let the IRS take advantage of you. It's time to call Tax Network USA. Their team of experienced tax lawyers has already saved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients. They know how to negotiate with the IRS and can help you too. Visit TNUSA.com or call 1-800-245-6000. Again, that's 1-800-245-6000. Don't wait until it's too late. Take control of your tax situation today with Tax Network USA. 1-800-245-6000. Call now. How's it going, everybody? We are once again at uh, the Capitol, basically. We got a lot of news to talk about, but we're going straight to the source to figure out what's going on. Over this past week, we got a lot of information about January 6th, and I think some of the most interesting and most important revelations, maybe even in, in uh, our, gen uh, our generation when it comes to government malfeasance and politics, is that FBI agents were apparently trying to, or may have actually deleted evidence in a January 6th or multiple January 6th cases. This information comes out apparently implicating that some feds were actually involved in trying to obfuscate their involvement by requesting the removal of their name from, from evidence. This is freaky stuff. So we're going to talk about that. we got a bunch of other stories that may or may not come up. Uh, I saw a viral tweet where on The View, Jane Fonda alludes to murdering people who are pro-life in a rather shocking statement, and then immediately everyone starts laughing, saying, oh, it's a joke, it's a joke. And then she gives this look like, mm -hmm, like, yeah, I don't know if they're joking, and that's kind of freaky. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but... Considering everything we've seen, it's been getting pretty, uh, pretty crazy. So we're going to have an awesome show. We have a bunch of guests coming in. We're literally sitting in Matt Gates' office. Before we get started, however, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member to support our work because that is the bulk of how we run this company. When you guys sign up to become members, you are basically making sure we can do these shows. We can set these shows up on the road. Very difficult uh, task and expensive. But uh, if you believe in us and we believe in you, then support our work at TimCast.com. Smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, and share the show right now because we're going to have some breaking news tonight. Joining us tonight first is Rep. Matt Gates. Welcome to Capitol Hill. We're in the Rayburn office building, and I'm loving Tim Cast on the road because having to go out into the survival situation that is the trek to your, new, your usual headquarters uh, is treacherous. But this is, this is great, man. We've enjoyed having your team here in the office. And I got, I got an opening take because having come on your show a couple times now, like, there are the people who see me in the news. Sorry, I gotta, sure. I gotta, I gotta pause you. Uh, we're a little low on volume, Serge. Yep, I'm trying to work on it right now. All right, well, let's just roll with it, because it is what it is. Sorry, continue. No problem, the benefits of a live show. There are people who see me in the news, and they'll come and say, oh, you know, we saw you on Fox, or saw you on CNN, or whatever. But the people who have come up to me to say they see me on TimCast, it's like we're having a secret handshake. It, it, there is an there is an intimacy to it. There's a like I know we have a connection because I was watching you on Timcast. So cool. know that there's a community. There's a sense of community out there that goes beyond normal media. That frankly you probably couldn't develop on traditional media these days. And I think one of the cutting edge advantage is of a platform like this is that people when they tune in 
when they're a part of the discussion, when they feel like they're at the head of the table with us, uh, then we've done something real. So uh, something I think enduring. we lost sound completely. Mike's peaking. Yes, audio's, audio's gone. Totally gone. Uh, no, it's audio's here. Uh, no, no, it's totally gone, bro. Can you hear me live? What's happening? So we had a... Uh, uh, we have we, we brought a custom soundboard and everything. We got it set up. Everything was working just fine. And then like a half an hour out, for some reason, we have no idea why, just stopped. Oh, they can hear me. We're good. But it's it, it's uh, okay. Cool. People are saying it's distorted and low, but low. Sounds better than the view. Yeah. Well, I can I can see the mixer picking it up, and there's like nothing there. It's 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 like minus fifty dB. Tell us in the chat. Oh, I like the wide I mean, shot. It's 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 pretty bad. No idea. Maybe we should have just used your setup. I got a rig. Yeah, our custom rig doesn't seem to work. It sounds like the distortion's cranked up like it's an electric guitar. Like I don't know if it's just the amount of time we spend talking, or if it's like I don't know. Maybe it's just real people make real community. But I yeah. I like that vibe. It is, and uh, the the cross section of people, like uh, like we talked last time. White collar, blue collar, no collar, no shoes. Yeah, no collar. No collar's just fine. All the above. You're from Florida. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the, the jean shorts and Crocs is basically the Florida man uniform. Before we get too deep into this, let me just introduce myself. I'm Ian Cross, and if you don't know me, now you do. What's happening? Uh, and also, we have Phil Labonte to my right. How you doing? Uh, Phil Labonte, lead singer of All That Remains, anti-communist, counter-revolutionary. And we're going to have uh, Rep. Dan Bishop and I believe Steve Bannon joining us later tonight. That's right. What a all-star panel, man. We got yeah. Bishop. We got Bannon. It's going right to be great. On. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the first thing. I, there's a lot of news. I mean, the, the Silicon Valley Bank stuff is, is pretty crazy. But I think uh, I want to talk to you about what's going on with January 6th because I think it was uh, a year ago you mentioned federal involvement in uh, – I'll just put it simply in some capacity. I think you were a bit more direct. But now we have this story where apparently they tried – I think they may have actually literally destroyed evidence. There's communications where they said, I was instructed to destroy 338 pieces of evidence. And in one communication even said, remove, my, remove the agent's name from this, from this document uh, as present at one of these incidents. That to me sounds like they're trying to destroy or may have literally destroyed evidence of their involvement as it pertains to the seditious conspiracy charges. Uh, I've been involved in taking the transcribed interviews of several FBI whistleblowers from around the country, and a substantial amount of the testimony that they've given us deals with the treatment of people who were unfairly targeted as domestic extremists or somehow associated with January 6th, when in fact in a great number of these cases there was no predicate criminal act to even investigate, no evidence that people had committed crimes. Uh, so I normally wouldn't go into evidence in the middle of an, of an ongoing investigation, but something interesting happened. As these FBI whistleblowers came in, the Democrats would release out-of-context portions of their depots and then would do opposition research on the whistleblowers and blast that out in reports to try to discredit the work um, before we could even, even begin it. And since they've done that, we feel like we need to vindicate the stories of these people who've come forward because think about the deterrent effect. If every time a whistleblower comes forward to share evidence of FBI misconduct, they, their family gets smeared, their spouse gets fired, they're targeted, the, uh, their financial situation degrades, they can't get jobs. 
And so they're trying to discourage the truth from coming out. And that's why recently at CPAC, I called to remove the Democrats from the transcribed interviews. If, they are, if their involvement in the investigation is gonna be to harm the investigation, they shouldn't even be included. And if you look at what happened during the January 6th investigation, it wasn't like anybody who had an opposing view was in the room. The Republicans, they counted, were Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney. And so uh, I think that that's an initial step, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me. We saw an FBI lawyer change evidence before a secret court. And that guy had pled guilty to a crime and now has his law license back. That's Can crazy. you believe that? I mean, you? think about the message that sends. So the FBI patriots who step forward and say, you know what? I'm being asked to do weird and possibly unlawful things to people who you're claiming are some sort of insurrectionist because of January 6th. And we put those folks on no-fly lists. We ruin their lives. And then at the same time, someone who literally admitted to changing evidence to try to implicate someone close to Trump to get surveillance on the Trump campaign, that guy can practice law in D.C. this week. You see uh, Elon Musk just tweeted, free, uh, effectively saying, free Jacob Chansley. They posted the video of him being escorted through the building. I'm wondering, what, what are your thoughts on that, the, the video release from Tucker Carlson? Well, I don't know everything that that guy did, but what I saw there was a very confusing situation that really is indicative of like the fog of war, where people don't really know what's going on, the sense of a, of a rules-based order kind of changes. I think there were a lot of people, and, and again, I don't know everything Chansley did. I don't know if there's going uh, to be a, a different feature to his involvement that day, but that conduct did not ap appear to be criminal or violent uh, or worthy of the type of extended prison sentence. Even if it's a technical violation of federal criminal law, prosecuting that, putting so someone in prison just for those portions well, that we saw on Tucker seemed uh, itself not, not just to that. be justifiable. Elon Musk tweeted a video of him standing outside with a, with a bullhorn saying, everyone leave, go home. Trump says, go home. He doesn't want you here. And they're yelling at him, no, no, we're coming. So not only do you have this guy being escorted through the building, it appears, and the cops even try to open the doors for him at one point, bring him to an open door for the Senate chamber, he's actually on video telling people to leave. Well, well here's the problem. In his plea deal, he has signed away all his rights of appeal. So he doesn't even have the ability to open the courthouse gates to be able to have a resolution of those questions. Any honorable and reasonable prosecutor would make their own motion and would make it along with the defense if necessary to set aside that plea deal and to be able to evaluate the extent of criminal acuity. That is what a moral prosecutor would do. They would not be drug into court by the defense lawyer. They would actually go and make the motion themselves. I, I, what I have seen come out of the DOJ and the Washington field office of the FBI is that this place is the geography of rot. There is not political capture of the FBI in every corner of this country. It is New York, it is Washington, D.C., principally. Yeah. And that's why what Nancy Pelosi did, authorizing the funding of a new FBI headquarters in the greater Washington area, larger than the Pentagon, is something that could, should concern you more than rechanging the you know, carpets at the J. Edgar Hoover building. Frankly, I think a lot of these folks deserve to sit at the rat-infested J. Edgar Hoover building as long as necessary, but we certainly shouldn't be building the FBI a Pentagon-sized facility to insource to the most corrupt geography in the world 
yeah. more of the work that actually would be legitimate to protect the American people that a lot of good folks are doing. Where is this building? Is first I've heard of it. Oh, it's in. Well, it's authorized and funded in the big omnibus legislation that Nancy Pelosi, the $1.7 trillion in spending that we talked about last time uh, we were on the show. Part of that was this massive facility for the FBI, and it's going to be out in Northern Virginia, but right here within the Vir Northern Virginia, Maryland, D.C. swamp. Do they tell you what it's going to look like? Is it going to be a fortress? What? I don't care if it looks like, you know, the uh, Taj Mahal. I don't, I don't want to see... Uh, that many billets here. I don't. I think that people, you know, we, we saw Inspector General reports of people in the media taking these FBI agents out for tickets at sporting events, concerts, fancy meals in exchange for information, and that's just a, a way to smear people. I heard someone talking about the FBI, and they had mentioned that the role of the FBI had gone from and this was someone at one of the hearings, they, that the FBI's role had gone from being a law enforcement agency to being an intelligence agency. These last few years have not been easy on our economy. And with tax season finally arriving, there will be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them and pocketing profits for themselves. America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-431-5684 and you'll be in touch with America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS's predatory tactics and put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-431-5684. That's 800-431-5684. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Again, 800-431-5684 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. So that was the post-9-11 thing. That's a very astute observation because pre-9-11... The job of the FBI was to investigate these crimes yeah. that had occurred that had a multi-state feature to them that one jurisdiction couldn't handle with a higher degree of scale on technology and innovation to be able to solve those crimes and to bring prosecutions. After 9-11, you know, Bush goes to Comey and basically says, it's not enough to, w to investigate crimes and bring prosecutions. We have to go and be predictive. We have to go and be an intelligence organization to stop things from happening in the future. And, and, and that resulted in a culture shift that a lot of the old timers, the kind of, you know, uh, Joe Friday types, resented. Yeah. How do we, <laughs> so what do you do? So how do you get the, because the whole culture there is of, if it's a, of an intelligence gathering agency, that means that the, the target is the American people. That's the only target the FBI could have. So then how do you change the culture I mean, personally, I'm for tearing the whole goddamn thing apart, but, like, what do you do, you know, what do you do to, to begin the process of, of trying to change the mindset of the FBI at the top level? Because it, it can't, it's not going to happen if it's because you're talking about field offices. It's not going to happen just at field offices. It has to be, you know, the people that are working at the, at the, at the Jacob Hooperville, you know? Well so uh, what do you do? I, I think decentralizing the human resources would have a forcing function of decentralizing some of the power 
And frankly, where they have authorities, where they've used them time and again to institute political enforcement, we need to curtail those authorities. The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, 702 Authority, has caught a number of Americans in a dragnet that doesn't end run around our Constitution. And so that is an authority that I think needs to be curtailed. Um, you know, they, uh, Just they, they have a foreign influence task force. Mm -hmm. And what I've observed is that this foreign influence task force operated for the Bidens a lot like they said the plumbers operated for Richard Nixon. You know, they'd go, remember they would, they would refer to the plumbers during Watergate? No, who were they? He's old enough to remember. <clears throat> and, and when you've got folks whose job it is to go find the derogatory information about you and to extinguish it, and when those people are wearing FBI badges and can arrest people and coerce people, it's a concerning thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is going to be central to a lot of the investigative work we do over these two years are those, those specific folks. Not all of them still work for the federal government, so they can be subject to congressional subpoena a little easier. Does it take, a, does it take the, the Republicans and the, the, the populist Republicans in particular controlling the Senate, the House, and the presidency to think that anything can get done? On some things, that's the case. Well, I was particularly thinking about the FBI here. They're telling me to back off the mic. I'm the back problem. off, bro. I'm no, that's not the issue. The, so basically, what happened was too soft. The uh, the soundboard just randomly stopped working. I blame the deep state. Honestly, they must have they must have come in and, and mm -hmm. somehow got it. It's usually uh, it was all, everything was set up and it was working. We were just sitting waiting, and then around like 7:30, all of a sudden, we're watching the soundboard just go off. And so we're like, okay, we have no idea what happened. So then we did this duct tape solution, and it worked. We did a sound check. Then we go live, and all of a sudden, it just dropped again. And we're like, gain sounds way too high. But that's, that's, it's not. The gain's not even up. It's, you got to have board, The board may be failing in real time. Maybe that's it. Mm. Yeah, I have no idea. But uh, what so I can feel in real time is just how do we uh, solve this FBI thing? I, I, I'm not like the kind of guy that's like, cut the head off the thing. Repeal the Federal Reserve Act. Repeal uh, Obama. Repeal the Patriot Act. I would like those things to be repealed. I just feel like trying to slice it open is just going to kill everything. So like, how do you, well, why do you peacefully? I, I would reject that premise. I, I think that you actually have to slice it open. And I think that you've, you've got to go through the authorized and unauthorized activities programmatically. And you have to observe what is the really important stuff. And there is that. You know, there, there are cybercrime divisions at the FBI that get people's money back for them when they're the victims of some Chinese, uh, you know, phishing attack in their email. And, like, those people are patriotic Americans. The problem is an increasing amount of this intelligence gathering got weaponized politically. And, frankly, you go back to the founding of the FBI, they were pretty political. They were just going after leftists. They were going after Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. and Marcus Garvey. And when Obama was president, they did a terrific job of vertically integrating their HR. And they got a lot of talented activist leftists into the system, into middle management. And now those people are kind of running the place. How do you think the audience fixed? Oh, good. Mostly at least. What? <laughs> it's, a it's, a, it's a Capitol Hill miracle. Was it? Way better. So. I, I, I want. I was like, how does you know whatever? How do you define leftists? Well, I, I think that those who believe in government control, as opposed to those who believe in control democratized, 
among the people. That's, that's always what my dad told me about the difference between the right and the left. He said, son, the left believes in the power of government to solve people's problems, and we believe in the power of people to solve their own problems. I think that like at the political compass, there's the left and the right, and then there's the authoritarian and the libertarian. And I feel like the authoritarian, like so up on the political compass, is like I, I want the government to take care of it. But I could be like a leftist libertarian, where I'm like, do whatever you want. Smoke where are weed those too. people? Well, they, so those people used to, that's like the, they, the Glenn Greenwalds, right? Would you put him? I think so. No, he, he, well. He's a traditional liberal, where they used yeah, to be a center-left base. That's essentially what you're describing, like a classical liberal who believes in open flow of information, but a, free but exchange a, of ideas. The, 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 the reason left libertarians are so rare is because the, the best way to describe a left libertarian is a hippie on a farm. He and his friends are sitting around, and then he comes in one day, and he's like, hey, guys, I grew some watermelons. Do you want to share them? And they're like, yeah, and they break it and they share it, and they're like, anybody can come and go as they please. We are we all here, and we all work together. And it only really works when you have a group of people who are socially cohesive and morally cohesive. It doesn't scale up at all, so there's no large organizational left libertarianism. It's, it's not possible. The right finds their decentralized, right libertarianism finds it through, through capital, through trade. They agree, don't hurt me, I won't hurt you. Everything's going to be voluntary trade. But if you're going to do community-oriented stuff, it has to be through moral agreement, which is almost impossible and only really works when you have, like, 20 people. So you're not going to see a lot of them. Do you think, like, libertarianism only functions if the society is cohesive in general? I'll put, I'll put it this way, and a question for you, Matt. Maybe you agree. I believe that if every I'll, – I'll, I'll be as offensive as I can about, uh, about it for, for the atheists and the left. I believe that if every single person in this country was a devout Christian – church-going, God-fearing, you would need no laws and no police. You would have them already. The, and the people would, would believe in adherence to those laws in the absence of government because they would, they would believe in that which is stronger, more powerful, and above government. And then what happens is as you get— By I, the way, that, that essentially was the government right. in, in the founding days of, uh, of American life. James I'm Madison not, said not the same saying, thing. Madison? But I'm, not, but I'm not saying literally we should be a Christian theocracy in any way. That, I, I try to say that in the most yeah, shocking way to the atheist, atheist as possible. If every single person in this country was woke, you also would not need police because you'd have woke activists going around enforcing these things by choice without pay. If yeah, everyone, wasn't a lot of freedom in the chaz. That's right. Uh, well, some people died. They had freedom to do that apparently and then no accountability. But uh, when you get a group of people that all agree with the same thing, instantly the moral foundations are, are kick in. The problem is it doesn't scale up. So you end up needing some kind of law enforcement apparatus then you need police, then you need jails. And it, as, you, as you bring in more opposing moral ideologies, you will need more police. As your society grows bigger, you will need more laws. And then I think it eventually just implodes. Well, no, no, you got this all wrong because the Silicon Valley Bank says that uh, the way to success is a commitment to increasing racial, ethnic, and gender representation. Ah, cool. That worked out really well for them. Yeah, I mean, this is a, <laughs> this is a message from their CEO on their website, and you can actually go download their DEI reports so that you can see how focused and committed they are to DEI investments, and you can go and see all, all that they're doing to achieve their carbon neutrality by 2025, which is very likely at this point. I, I, I would bet on uh, the Silicon Valley Bank <laughs> achieving total carbon neutrality very soon. So way Native to go. Yeah, for the record, SVB is in a financial free fall. It's a bank in California that just went under, essentially. I mean, I don't know. Well, if it is, more, it is more than that. It, it is the financial wing of Silicon Valley. I mean, th this is one of a top 20 bank in the country. And over like 96% of all the deposits aren't insured. How familiar are you with the topic? Do you well, 
How, what, yeah, they're not insured? Not there because the deposits are among all of these Silicon Valley uh, firms and individuals and businesses. They 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 are not insured at the you know they're not like FDIC they don't have deposits. the FDIC. Yeah, these right. be, over ninety percent of the money in that bank isn't coming back. But it's not just that FDIC only insures up to I think two fifty per Individual. per signatory. Yeah, and so if you if you're one person, this is the craziest thing. If you're in your business with one bank, you're in trouble because if you've got five accounts, one let's say one is your like general uh, uh, payroll expenses, one is equipment, and you separate them in a certain way. It's only two fifty. That's it. So, if that bank goes under, your business no longer exists, and they're going to cut you out a quarter million dollars, depending on the size, obviously. But I'm saying, if you're Silicon Valley, and you got fifteen to fifty million, all gone, all gone. Uh, this could, yeah, this could wipe call, out the some. calls for the Silicon Valley Bank bailouts will be coming soon. Oh, That's already, Andrew like. Yang has called for the federal government to backstop Silicon Valley Bank to save the industry. Yang already. Yang already. Yeah. Where, where would we be sure. if the CEO wasn't so focused on? Uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and ESG. Who's going to fund this if not the American taxpayer? Yeah. Let me step out in a future. Ian can pop out. Yeah, way, we we got to have both in. you guys talk about January 6th, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll step out. You want to step out for a minute and then I'll. No, I'll no, 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 What's up, dude? Yeah, hop on in, man. Yes, good to see you. Do you want to introduce yourself for everybody who's listening? Yeah, I'm Dan Bishop. I represent 8th District from North Carolina. Right on. So, uh, nice. good to see you, man. We got some news on January 6th, or, or we, we want to wait for Matt to come back? I'm, I'm good. I, th- I think, you know, nobody replaces Matt Gates. <laughs> no, I guess he just a did. Firebrand. <laughs> what happened? That's what I was going to say. What'd you guys Only do? Tim Cast and Firebrand would have kept me in Washington for another night. Oh, yeah, oh right on, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, Matt was, Matt was saying that uh, everybody, the final vote was like 10 a.m. So everybody flew home. Yeah. But he we was like, but Dan was down. He, he didn't want to leave. We're doing some work. So what did you guys do today? You know, we, uh, we've been, uh, we, we went over, gosh, you know, Matt can describe this so much better than I can. But we went over to a, a, this other nondescript building where, there's, where the congressional offices have space. And we uh, kind of rifled through the January 6th committee documents. I'm going to step out, Matt. You, I want you and Matt to talk about this a little bit. Thanks, Matt can tell us. Matt's yet. back. Come on, Matt. Can you get around behind you? I got you, brother. All right, man. So you've got so, some 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 secrets, some breaking news. Well, or? well, here here's, say, Matt? here's the it, news man. we got for you. Okay, everyone has been appropriately focused on these videos that Tucker Carlson's been releasing from January 6th. But Dan and I got to thinking, there was a lot of paper created during this investigation. The subpoenas, the demands for records. It showcases the strategy of how the January 6th committee would go after a target. Who was working with them? Who did they hire uh, to collaborate on this project? Uh, It's about two million documents. And I think as far as I know, Dan and I are the first Republican lawmakers to actually go and spend an extended period of time going through this information. And here's what we can tell you about it. It's not disorganized. I kind of expected on the way out the door, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger might have just opened their binders <laughs> and thrown everything into a giant bin, <laughs> shaken it a few times and said, you know, here, here are your documents. Yeah. And you know what? This will drive you crazy. Every committee in Congress gets to define what a committee record is and what has to be maintained. So if they wanted to, the January 6th committee could have said, you know what? The committee records are the public transcripts of our hearings, 
and everything else we're destroying. Wow. And we would have had no paper trail. But interestingly enough, they kept not all, but almost all of the outgoing paperwork product that they had developed. <laughs> the letters that they'd sent people, the documents they'd requested, the subpoenas they drafted. So all of this outgoing, the way that they would target not just you, but your internet service provider. They'd go to your telecom company, Verizon. And They'd go bank. to your bank. And, and, and we saw enormous collaboration between some of these Fortune 100 companies, financial institutions, Alphabet, and the January 6th committee eager to turn over the private information well, of so individuals. Are these digital them. files? These were hard paper files hard that, we, paper. That, that we observed. Now we're... we're you got like, you're, you're manually turning pages? Oh, uh, absolutely, yeah. Oof. For their 60, it was about was 80, say. Box, 80 sort of small boxes of stuff and some of it's uh, public reports that uh, Matt made mention of, but there's some interesting stuff in there. But, 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 but here's what's missing. What's missing is all the paper that was supposed to come back. You see, all this outgoing was supposed to generate lists of people's emails, texts, and, and we were able to review some of what came back as a consequence of those results, but there is a huge dearth there. They chose to get rid of some of those records and some others we're going to chat about. I'd be interested. Obviously, I have a personal stake, but time is our most precious commodity. And I've heard from so many of my listeners who have asked for my advice about how they can spend it wisely to improve themselves and the people around them. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. I personally recommend you sign up for Constitution 101. The Meaning and History of the U.S. Constitution. In this 12-lecture course, you'll explore the design and purpose of the Constitution, the challenges it faced during the Civil War, and how it has been undermined for more than a century by progressivism and liberalism. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. Enroll now in Constitution 101. Our country needs more Americans who understand the Constitution and can defend the freedom of the American people against the encroachments of an increasingly large and unaccountable government. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash Tim to enroll. There's no cost, and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash Tim to register. Hillsdale.edu slash Tim. How uh, they discussed the media, independent media that have been talking about it. For me, uh, it was uh, Raskin who it's funny because he reps the district right next to where we work out of, and some of our employees are in his district, and he took a clip of me reading a Fox News headline and played it alongside someone calling for kicking in the doors or a red wedding, and it's me being like, Donald Trump says there's going to be a wild night. Well, you know, maybe he's right. I mean, his supporters are pretty angry, and then he makes it seem as he says these people were calling for it. I'm curious to see if behind the scenes they were targeting independent commentators, social media personalities, I assume the answer is yes. They are the masters of the smear. Oh, yeah. They always get their man that way. And, you know, we'll see what there, – there's some other – there's some interesting – Matt sort of alluded to it. There's, there are interesting pointers in the papers that we saw to finding some other stuff. It could be the mother load. Well, and another thing I learned going through the January 6th committee's work product is that there is a value at times to a subpoena – 
even if you aren't seeking information back as a result of that subpoena. An example is how they, they dealt with social media companies. Imagine being a social media company and getting subpoena and demand saying, show me everything you're doing to get these extreme views off of your platform. Show me everything you're doing to stop the next insurrection. Show me everything you're doing to uh, look at the profile of people who support building the wall and election integrity and the Second Amendment and you know let us know that you're actually being good corporate citizens. You see, that's not a subpoena intended to actually get usable right. information back. Yeah. It's coercive in nature. And, and they were using those tactics. And the level of detail and vertically integrated subpoena strategy was exquisite. Let me give you an, let me give you an example, Tim. They subpoenaed the catering company for this building that we are in right now for January 5th and January 6th to see like if you had people over on January 5th, how many cupcakes were delivered that night? And That's what right. does that say about how many people were in a meeting in your office? So can you release these documents to the press? Well, we observed them and went through them today with the permission of the House Administration Committee. They are the committee with jurisdiction over the records of the House, and they're working to get this digitized. Uh, they have had a very pro-transparency outlook, but uh, we are our patience is not one of our virtues. Uh, we it's March, and we need to start getting to this information, analyzing it, seeing how Americans were targeted. Dan and I are very focused on our work on the weaponization subcommittee, and I believe the January 6th committee was a weaponized utilization of the American government against our people, and and actually it spawned activity from the Department of Justice that I remain concerned about to this day. I'm gonna I'm gonna. I th I'm just going to come out and say I think sometimes you guys, maybe because you have to, give a little bit of, benef a little bit of the benefit of the doubt to some of your Democrat colleagues because you, you have to, I'd imagine. Uh, me, I'm under no such constraints, and I think they're evil people. Maybe, maybe you wouldn't go as far. But the idea that they had access to this footage that wasn't released, that some of these defendants never got access to it, they tried claiming the defendants did, but they didn't, and it shows a very different picture. The fact that Tucker Carlson... In his report, when he came out and showed the video of Chansley calmly walking through with police, trying to open a door for him, the first thing Tucker Carlson did in that report was show the violence and said, we've all seen the violence and the vandalism because we've been showing it nonstop, but here's what you didn't see. What did the, the, the Democrats and the media do in unison right away? Said he cherry-picked. He cherry-picked and he lied and he didn't show the violence because they know their audience will never actually watch a full Tucker segment where he does first and foremost say, yep. yes, there's violence. That's exactly right. I think that, I'm sorry. I think it's evil. It, because they've done evil. Yeah. There's no, no question about it. And well, it if we did that, there would be actions to take our law licenses away in North Carolina and Florida. Right. If we went out there to spur criminal prosecutions and purposefully withheld material evidence, certainly if we did it in a court of law. They distorted evidence repeatedly during the course of the January 6th things. I mean, you remember Jim Jordan's uh, tweet where they took it. He had, he had uh, quoted something that was quoted. They yep. took the quotes off and made it as if it were Jim Jordan's statement. There was nothing wrong with the statement particularly anyway, but it, it gave put words in his mouth that didn't exist. They did this I, stuff over and over. That's yeah. I, I, was, I was thinking of going to Raskin's office after I saw he did this. But, you know, I got to tell you, um, when, when he played that clip of me, I had people I know who are urban liberal liberals in Chicago, and it was a red pill moment for them. Because they were like, my parents were watching this, they saw this clip, I saw that, and I immediately was like, that's Tim Pool. They're like, 
like he's like a like a boring fence sitter guy. That's messed up. And it immediately said to them like something's not right with this picture. Yeah. So all of a sudden I get these these liberals that I know being like, I'm now questioning what happened after I saw that. And I I'd actually wrote an, an op-ed for Newsweek because Newsweek reached out to me and they were like, we're familiar with your content. This doesn't seem to make sense. So that was a mistake. They smeared too hard. And look, I. Isn't I'm your shit that you get accused of being a left-wing radical and a right-wing radical on like a weekly basis? Isn't that kind of your thing? So in the early days, I'm the milk toast fence sitter. That's the, that's the gag. Because I'm like, <laughs> well, you know, and I, and I still, I put it like this. You're I, an extreme moderate. You're a moderate rebel. Maybe like all those moderate rebels in Syria we've been giving arms to. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it. Uh, reality has a right-wing bias these days. That's the old joke from Colbert. You know, reality has a left-wing bias, I guess that's what he said all those years ago. But the, the conversation that we're having right now isn't based on our views on policy. I'm not here discussing right. with you pro-life, pro-choice, tax policy, flat tax, progressive tax. We're talking about the facts of January 6th, information that was withheld. And that makes you right-wing. If yeah. it, it, the funniest thing about this modern political landscape is I'm right-wing because I supported the narrative that conservatives were facing undue censorship on social media which is so, it's so confirmed now that you're, you, you, you have the, the attempt to smear Matt Taibbi as a so-called journalist right. who's this like long-standing liberal award-winning journalist for 30 years. They're calling Matt Taibbi a right-winger now. <laughs> you, you've, seen, you've seen people call him a right-wing you know, journalist. They like, attacked I've seen him. it. The Democrats attacked him with gusto. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that, played it in some of your clips. that was an embarrassment, to be honest with you. The, the fact that the Democrats had were trying to get the, the journalists to give up their sources and trying multiple times over and over. And honestly, there's part of me that thinks that they didn't realize as if they didn't possess the cognitive octane to actually understand that they were trying to get them to give up their sources. They didn't understand the context. A and it was painful a couple of them lack the octane yeah so, a couple do. Well, uh, there's multiple layers to this right the initial layer is you're watching democrats attack a longtime rolling stone journalist and a guy who's waving his hand saying i voted for biden yeah you know i am not part of hillary clinton's so-called vast right-wing conspiracy and uh, i think that's easy to absorb but i think the additional layer to it is how comprehensive the censorship industrial complex is. That's what I really want people to take away from this, that this isn't like you know a few bad actors in one agency. This is enterprise-wide in government, the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Defense, the Department of Justice, even the post office has a covert program to monitor the political views of people on social media. And so <laughs> we gotta get our head around that and rather than patting ourselves on the back for holding hearings about it, we have to use this process to inform how we fund the government. And one of the things Dan and I fought really hard for during the speaker's race was to have individualized assessments of these agencies. And it sounds dorky and wonky, but I am tired of voting on some multi-thousand page bill that spends over a trillion dollars that funds the government for the entire year. And you don't get to say, okay, at a programmatic level here yeah, in DOD, that? FBI, yeah. how do we excise that out? Exactly. There's, there Which, should with, be line I, vetoes. What's that? There should be line vetoes. Like there should be... For, oh, line item veto? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would enthusiastically support that under any a president republican or democrat yeah do you with have that the, north carolina with, no when, yeah. when they're digitizing the january 6 files uh 
is there is there a capability or is there a security risk? Like, can this be released to the public? Maybe maybe the answer is more of like a Twitter file style approach where some journalists can come in, go through it with you guys, and then redact for security issues, things that might put people in, in harm's way, but get this information out to the American people. So I, as to the... Oh, go ahead. I favor more disclosure uh, across the board. I think that's the, one of our biggest problems. You talked about evil, and you talked about Democrats' evil. We're talking about a bigger evil, and this is spread across all these government departments working together with these with academic, pseudo-academics and so forth that Matt was talking about. But, yeah, I, I think um, they thrive in secrecy. And, and that, as a general proposition, can these things all be released? There's some things we saw in there I'm not sure could, a few items, but most of it should be. Why not let you see? You ought to see what this committee of Congress decided they could go do, pick a target. Maybe you ought to take their name off. But show the bank that, and, the, and the, they, as, as, as uh, Matt was saying earlier today, they, they've picked a target, and then they went and figured out all their finances. They went and figured out all their means of communication. They've, they figured out all their means of movement. It, it, it's, it is otherworldly, and you can't believe that kind of thing goes on in the United States. The way to stop it is, is for people to know that it happens. And I, I should clarify, too, I suppose, there, there were Republicans on that, on that panel I mean, not the Republicans anyone actually wanted to be in on that name, panel, yeah. but you had Kinzinger and Cheney who, you know, exactly in name, and as far as anyone was concerned, they were effectively Democrats, but that really says a lot well, about... Well, one thing I noticed was that the Republicans had extraordinary influence over the committee. Um, we got into some of the January 6th committee's staff files, and one thing I took particular note of is that Adam Kinzinger was able to place a hand-picked CIA lawyer into the general counsel's office of the House of Representatives to gaslight or light all these subpoenas, to torch Americans, to smear them. And, and they were assembling people, not from the traditional group that you would think for congressional staff, but they were finding sharp-toothed lawyers in the Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA, uh, high-end uh, state attorney's offices. Uh, they were finding people all over the country. They were bringing high-end left-wing talent in to operationalize that force. All right, let's. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you guys the the hard question, I suppose. Where's the committee on far-left extremism, Antifa? We talk about January 6th and uh, the the unjust actions that were taken for a lot of these people. Look, some of these people I think were violent, should be criminally charged. You know, like I said, Tucker shows the violent footage. But just uh, this in this, in this past week, in the past few months, we've had. We had a group of 150 far-left extremists break into a government compound, a facility in Georgia, firebomb buildings and equipment. So, some of these people were not from this country. One of them was a lawyer for the Southern Poverty Law Center. The Southern Poverty Law Center admitted it and said that, oh, he's a legal observer. And then the spokesperson tweets out a, 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 a hashtag in support of the terrorists. These people have been charged with domestic terrorism. How is it that the entire cycle the news cycle. I, I understand the media is going to ignore it, but where are we in terms of putting together the select committee on far-left extremism? How about we have the May 29th insurrection panel, the select committee on the May 29, on 529, and we can talk about the far-left extremists who tore down the barricades of the White House, firebombed a guard post that fired at St. John's Church, yeah. injuring, I think, around 70, 70 to 100 police officers, forcing the president into a bunker. How about we get, we bring cops in to testify on that, cops who were injured, we bring in witnesses and journalists, and we put all of that on the record. So I'm here for it. Uh, understand, though, remember that in a lot of ways the two parties do the same thing in Washington. 
And so the only reason we have a select committee on the weaponization of the government is because when Matt and I said, we're going to negotiate over who gets to be the speaker. We're not just going to cast votes just because 180 of the members, Republican members, say we're going to do it. That was great, by the way. Well, I mean, so, you know, <laughs> the first couple of days it wasn't so great. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, for us. But uh, I thought it was important to do. So did Matt. We stuck to our guns. That's really the first time people have there have been a lot of coup efforts, I guess you'd call them, if you want to call it that. I wouldn't that's use a bad, that word. That's, a bad <laughs> term. that's what they called it. That's a friend of ours in Congress mm -hmm. called it multiple coup efforts against the, uh, you know. They the, call the, us the Taliban 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is Jeez. the coolest nickname yeah. I've ever that, been a part Crenshaw of. Crenshaw said we were yeah. legislative terrorists. But, but that was a, it was a, we stuck to our guns. And, uh, and, and, part, and a, a very material part of the agreement that we, in fact, I negotiated the authority for that subcommittee myself and, um, and, and uh, so these aren't easy to get in the sense that a lot of people want to f ignore stuff and yeah. don't want the to. The question will be to what extent were U.S. taxpayer dollars used to try to fuel some of those groups through NGOs, through a lot of this diversity, equity, and inclusion funding that we do. I think we got our next guest here, man. All want right. Me to, want me to bounce Jeremy. for Steve? Yeah, I'll, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah we'll, uh, okay. we'll rotate down and uh, let, the honey, let, down. The, let the honey badger join us. So I think the mics, I, I, I see people saying pull the mic back. I push the mic way back because it looks like they're very sensitive. Oh, on top of them or something? I guess the they're picking up very they're picking up too well now. Okay, of so, course. Right, right. It was like really quiet. We're like trying to get close, and then we're like pull away, pull away. Gotcha. Sorry. But uh, is that is it? Uh, Joel, Steve coming in. You Steve Bannon. Tim Cast vibe. You got to get accustomed to the to the what to the to the vibe. Yes. Oh, the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> it is Man, vibe. I I, I'm, I blame the deep state for the audio problems. It happened last time. <laughs> no, the la oh, last wow. time we had the audio problems. What up? Look at this. Steve Bannon, the honey badger. In the Capitol. <laughs> it doesn't get any better. I never met the man myself. Hey, Dan Bishop. How you doing? Honor. Good to meet you, Steve. Meet so you. we'll let Bannon get seated. We're talking about Dan and my trip to go through all of the January 6th committee documents. Uh, Adam Kinzinger was able to get. They sent their two right guys. Well, right? It's, we believe today was out, the yeah. first time that. Any lawmaker, any Republican so lawmakers. I think the mics are really sensitive right now. I was on top of the mic too much. Are you, you going to host and direct to? Direct the whole thing? Yeah, whole Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Uh, so here's what we were talking about, and I, I'm curious in your thoughts, uh, Mr. Bannon. Uh, uh, some kind of Antifa committee, or at least a, co a component of uh, exploring the far-left extremism we're actively seeing right now. We, we, I think we get two things out of it. One, accountability for what we saw in Georgia, what we saw in Portland, what we saw with Chaz and all that stuff. It's accountability. Uh, we could stop what's actively going on if we shine a light on it. We can get accountability for the past actions. And then I think it might wake up a lot of Americans to the degree of violent extremism coming from the left that's not being portrayed in media. Do you have a will or a trust? It can be scary to think about death, but not having a plan in place if something happens is far scarier. Thanks to trust and will, you don't have to navigate the complicated and confusing process of estate planning alone. They make it accessible, affordable, and way easier than you thought it could be. Trust & Will walks you through the whole process step-by-step. Step. Each will or trust is state-specific, and you can customize it to your own needs, including guardianship, healthcare preferences, power of attorney, and final arrangements. You'll have easy access and control of all your estate planning documents in one convenient place with bank-level encryption. And you'll reduce the burden on loved ones by helping them avoid complicated probate proceedings and family disagreements, all starting at just $199. Join hundreds of thousands of families and protect your loved ones with trust and will. 
Get 10% off plus free shipping of your state plan documents at trustandwill.com slash Tim. That's trustandwill.com slash Tim. I think that's a great idea. I think what we need is to put all the effort into reconstituting a J6 committee and let them have a ranking member in a minority council and set it all up and go back to the beginning. I think the, I think this is one of the biggest things in the country. And I think you need top people like we have here on this committee. And it's, all the information has got to come out on the intelligence services, on the FBI, everything, what we knew, what we didn't know, all of it. I mean, Tucker did a thing. And don't get me wrong, the, F, the Antifa's needed too, but I only think we've got so much bandwidth to do things, and this is this is this has to be answered. Yeah, it can't continue on like it is. You can't continue to rely on guys like Tucker doing a heroic job with the forty-four thousand. We need a formal investigation, a select committee if you have to, of major players in the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, not like the show trial she had, but actually have a ranking member. Do so it wait, like wait you've said that a few times. Yeah, and and. It is a decision point we are at right now because Democrats have used their presence in these transcribed interviews to obstruct the investigation, to try to deter whistleblowers, to smear patriotic Americans Mm -hmm. who joined the premier law enforcement agency in Mm -hmm. the world because they love our country Mm -hmm. as we all should. And I don't think they should get to participate anymore in those transcribed interviews if they are using that courtesy to try to do harm to the investigation. And you're saying, bring them in, do, do to them better than they did us. I just think, look, I, I think in that regard, they play smash mouth. I think we have to start playing smash mouth, right? But I think you have to, con- if you don't constitute it where they get the information and are able to cross-examine witnesses, we're going to have the exact same show trial we had the first time. Steve, I, these, I, are, these are such I deep issues that the American people have to get to the bottom. We have to get to the bottom of this. This is like Watergate. This is like Iran-Contra. This is like the 9-11 Commission. You know, they always say it's like Pearl Pearl Harbor had seven different commissions, four of them in the Capitol, right? And they still never quite got to the thing, but they kept going over and over because the American people deserve answers. We deserve, the American people deserve answers. Even if you guys, and I think there's enough tough guys like yourself that can get in there and make sure they're not leaking depositions, they're not playing games with the press, all of that. It's going to be tough, but it's, I think it's got to happen. One thing I found interesting when we went through the files today, they are incredibly well organized. And as it relates to outgoing documents, they are almost completely complete. Uh, you can go through by name. Wow. You can pull uh, the. I pulled the Charlie Kirk file, and I saw the way that the Turning Point organization was targeted, and Wait is actually it. still targeted. being unfairly targeted. I pulled the Bernie Carrick file and saw the way they went after him. Uh, I, 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 you know, pulled the Mark Short file, and I saw how eager he was to cooperate, and how even with friendly witnesses, they they played this game with the subpoena nonetheless. But there was one file with no documents in it that I reviewed. And it was the Steve Bannon file. No documents. There was the Steve Bannon file. (laughs) They've they've taken it. It's waiting for me in federal prison for my four-month sentence, right? The warden will have it. I, 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 in a, I'm in sure a, justice has it. In a circumstance right. where they were so meticulous to have everything indexed yeah. and included, and in, in almost every case, you saw a letter and like clockwork within 14 days, a subpoena that followed that letter and nothing on the Bannon file. So uh, it, it's empty? Total, it's a, it is There's a, a file. Wow. There is a, there, we found the Steve Bannon <laughs> there's file. There's nothing there. Man. Well, I actually, I, I, not to 
get my trials and appeal. But I, I think if you did, it's not that what what I would want to do J six, but there's no doubt that the to me the uh, the general counsel for the committee perjured herself multiple times in, in my trial. To have a general counsel say, "Oh, I didn't know that was happening. I didn't know." It's just it's it's it beggars belief. Can, it's, can it's incredible. Well, can you and, and also this, this person. Uh, we we are we are looking at the members and records, and I want to know how far they crossed the line when we exercise yeah. our subpoena power. Because what I observed was that almost every week, this the committee was sending out to Sprint, Verizon, T-Mobile, to Google Voice, banks all over some, the country. Hey, all of these phone numbers, I want all of their records. Yes, all of these bank accounts, all yes. these Amex cards, all of the the PayPal accounts people had, wanting all of, of the records. It was such a wide dragnet, and I wonder whether or not some of these phone numbers are going to match up to members of Congress. Yes, sure. I wonder if they're going to match our staffs. It was interesting to see that the subpoenas depicted. There must have been some very uh, good conversation going on between big tech companies, big tele telecom companies, and the committee because the committee would send out a subpoena to the to a, to the banks, and it would say it, it would ask for these internal file numbers of the bank, and they give like thirty file numbers. Oh, they'd already which, had, they'd be, yeah, which they already exactly. they obviously already <laughs> given, it, right. but they nonetheless then subpoenaed it. Uh, and got it. So, but you know that kind of relationship is pretty. But that I even of itself, even if you don't reconstitute the committee, which I strongly recommend you guys do, just to put that in front of the American people of how gun deck this thing was, right? Mm -hmm. How organized it was with with these parties. But what what Tim is saying is that we need to pick up these tools and and use them to deconstruct what is a dangerous weaponized left. One hundred percent. What. Uh, well, so for, for one, I, 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 I'm fascinated by the fact that we have active Antifa terror, right? I, I, you know, I, I hate to say Antifa. It's far left. It's, it's, a, it's a plethora of, 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 of groups or whatever. Actively firebombing houses. They flipped a guy's truck over. Random guy. Flipped his truck over, set it on fire. They shot a cop. This is escalating. Four, a French and a Canadian guy were involved. NGO lawyer was involved. So we have that actively happening. But I, but I do agree, I think. For one, I think the American people aren't being told what's going on because it's being ignored by the press because it's bad for them. They want to side with their audience. And I think we can force them to cover it if we had some kind of, hey, look, we're going to do the same thing. At the same time, I'd love it if you guys subpoenaed Ray Epps. I don't well, know. That would have to be part of it. That, I think you have to use the facial uh, recognition and, and go to the DHS and go. You have to find out how many federal agents were there. Yes. There's obviously federal agents. You, 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 have, you have to. Have you, to I mean, I, my point is you have to go back to the beginning. And find out what people knew until I had Chris Miller, the acting Secretary of Defense at the time. You know, he was on the show. He had a book came out. It's three hundred pages long. Twenty pages deal with this situation. I think I'm the only guy who read it because he's got explosive stuff. He he, as Secretary of Defense, couldn't get anybody organized in FBI or just anything to even have a meeting to plan on security. He just keeps watching TV. So he finally called. And they would meet on Sunday afternoon before the Tuesday. I think January second or third. He. Uh, has a Zoom call. Now, this is the acting Secretary of Defense. He's got the FBI, DOJ, all of it. And uh, they're sitting there going, yeah, we have intelligence. There's going to be 35,000 people there. And he goes, gosh, really? they had a million in, in November 12th. <laughs> they had 75,000 on the 14th. Hey, he says, oh, we've done this. We got until 35,000. And he goes, well, you know, can we help? Can we get troops? Can we get National Guard? I can get all the stuff. And, the, and, he, and he was told, no, the D.C. Metro and Capitol Hill Police can handle up to a million protesters and, and and it's fine and that won't be that'll be fine and he says well how many need mary bowser the, finally asked for 325 national guard which he deployed 
to Andrews Air Force Base. Wouldn't even let him the Pentagon. Didn't want him in the city, Andrews Air Force Base, which is you know 45 miles, minutes away in traffic. He goes to the White House the next day for Trump on another separate meeting. And Trump's sitting there, and you know they get there. It's another man. I think they're going to pull the troops out of Korea, right? So he's leaving, and Trump goes, "Hey, are you ready for tomorrow?" And he goes, "Well, I think we are, sir." He says, well, "What are you, you know? What are you doing?" He says, "Well, we've had this big meeting, and I've got 325 troops that are going to go to Andrews." And Trump goes, "Now nah, you're going to need 10,000. You should call up 10,000. It's in the book right there." He says, "Trump said you're going to need 10,000. You should get them up." And you should pre-station them. He says, well, they don't want it. The mayor doesn't want it. Nancy Pelosi doesn't want it. Nobody wants it. To what degree? And nobody, no, nobody in the country knows that. That's why com you the know, committee, you go back to the you beginning. Know, the committee didn't, didn't put it in the report, but they had their chief investigator goes to NBC after the thing's closed up and, say, and, and puts the information out about it that the government, that the agencies did know all that was going to happen and that they didn't. Uh, they well, so, so I want to ask, ask you, Steve, to yeah. what degree do you believe that this was – either uh, let to happen by the federal government or actually incited by the federal government themselves? Well, the war room... Agents of, the, the war room, as you know, is right in back of the Supreme Court. You know, we're like a block away. And I found it stunning on that day. I never left the war room, did the morning show, got rid of the afternoon show, but guys told me they had basically deployed the Capitol Hill police in the bike racks. There was nothing there. And I just found that to be stunning, given the fact that People knew it was going to be a big march, et cetera. So I don't know. It's all speculation. What I'd like to get, well, here, is, here's what what I'd like to get is the facts in, in front of – and let the Democrats cross-examine guys. Let them see the stuff. Let them, I'm sure they're going to leak some stuff. But if you got – even if you got some of the original J6 people back up there and cross-examine them, cross-examine like the Hutchison, cross-examine these people under penalty of perjury – you might get some very different stories. And I think that's necessary because I think Trump was smeared, you know, soup to nuts in this thing. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, uh, there's a, a criminal acuity that may have been increased by some of these FBI assets. And here's the incentive structure that creates that. We were talking earlier in the program about how the FBI changed in culture to an intelligence collection organization. And so what they would do is they would seed assets into a lot of these groups that they thought were dangerous, the three percenters, the proud boys, the oath keepers. And then the incentive structure for that person informing back to the yes. FBI is for that group yes. to seem as significant yes. as possible. And so, you know, do I believe that Christopher Ray was giving an order to somebody, you know, yeah, no. wearing a federal badge to right. commit a crime on that day? No, but I think they created an incentive structure right. where some of their assets, confidential right. informants, confidential human sources that were baked into these groups tried to facilitate and encourage a higher level of criminal acuity. And by the way, yeah. it's not unreasonable to think that yeah. because that's what we saw in the Whitmer case. You've covered, right. exactly, you've covered Michigan better than anybody. And that's exactly what the Whitmer case is. It's a perfect example and that and by the way many people in the Whitmer case at the senior levels were here it just looks like it was a it was bloody Kansas to the Civil War it was kind of the preamble the microcosm right. of the thing itself right like like a dry like a trial balloon it, it, it just it, hey I don't know and the country doesn't know and the very but special agent in charge who ran the Whitmer investigation in Michigan there are no ends up in the Washington no field office and if you look at the deposition of Ray Epps and you compare it to I mean they're trying to guide his testimony it just it just it beggars belief. There's not something there, and you need a formal process. All I'm saying is, go back to what Congress really does well: mm -hmm. to have these big, complicated special commissions. We got Watergate, the Pearl Harbor Commission, the 9/11 Commission, Church the Commission on a 2008 Financial Crisis, and it's always the same cookie cutter. That's what they had. A, it's one of my appeals. One of the big fights was 
I, I, not just executive privilege, but also about the construction of the committee. And they came down to one word, shall versus will. And we're going to appeal that because the committee was, you, you try to put up Jordan and Banks, he, she said no. And then McCarthy you know, you know, for, made a decision just to let it go. And they never had a ranking member. And most importantly, never had a minority council. Never saw the, the evidence and never got to cross it. Can you imagine what J6 would be like, that show trial they did? Cross-examining these witnesses Oof. with a well, tough, with Dan, a tough I mean, prosecutor. You practice law. Would you have ever lost a case if there wasn't an, oppo an opposing <laughs> lawyer? I mean, I, I, I would be undefeated <laughs> in the practice always, of law if there was no opposing there lawyer. There are always the war stories about losing the unopposed motion to extend time. But, right. Uh, but no, that, that that really didn't happen very hey, often. A, a, a uh, client who represents himself. Uh, what is it? What is it uh, a man who represents represents himself as a fool for a client? Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're going up against a pro and you don't know what you're doing. One of the things that makes me uh, a bit more conspiratorial on January 6th, but I won't say into knowing, just, you know, I have questions, is if someone came to me and it was like, let's say I was working for like a shadowy organization and uh, deep intelligence or whatever, and they said, we need to guarantee that Donald Trump wins his reelection. I would say, here's what you do. When the activists show up on May 29th, you let them win. You let them tear the fences down. You let them burn the church down. Then you will have two years of nonstop coverage of the far-left terror attack that ransacked and destroyed Washington, D.C., destroyed an iconic church, forced the president to do a bunker, and breached the White House. And then January 6th happened. And I'm like, oh, how about that? When, when the protesters came to D.C. your idea. That's what you're saying. It's not so much my idea. I mean, it, they, they, they followed that, that course. That's what it seems like because after what happened on May 29th, I mean, you had, what was it, like, I mean, hundreds of thousands? There's photos of, an aerial photo of D.C. with smoke rising up. They set fire to St. John's Church, a historic church, but Trump stopped it. Trump and Barr stopped it, and it wasn't even the most brutal crackdown I've ever seen in terms of protests in the United States. They put their shields up. I think up, it was Bill Barr's best moment. But here's the thing: media the, attacked them for stopping it. Right? Exactly. They said it was a brutal. Deployed tear gas. Now you brutalized people. Trump who were protesting. Retreats to the bunker and says, "I was just checking it out," and the media mocks him for it. But imagine what would have happened if the video footage was far leftists ripping down the fences in front of the White House. And the next day, Trump came out and didn't take a picture with the Bible in front of the standing church. He took a picture with police officers and firefighters in, in front of an iconic historic church that was burnt to the ground by Antifa. That's, that's psyops. That's, that's understanding the game. Trump, I believe, I believe is a true believer. I believe the people he brought on, for the most part, not everybody, they're thinking like, hey, we got to stop these extremists. Let's do our job. But then you look at the people who are more nefarious and more evil, and they say, no, 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 no. Let them, let them in. Then you get these videos coming out now of Chansley. The cops are walking with him. They try to open one of the doors, but they don't, don't show us I don't stuff. buy the theory at all. Bill Barr, and I don't think, I think Bill Barr did a terrible job. There were no Tiger teams set up in any of those cities, Portland or any of them, to go with special, with special prosecutors that would flood the zone and start indicting people and arresting people. I think the Justice Department was terrible in the entire time. I, I agree. You, you, you disagree? No, I, my, I was facetiously oh, saying oh, Bill oh, Barr's look, finest look, moment was, uh, was Lafayette up. Square. I'm a Bill Barr critic. The whole, I think Bill thing, Barr was uh, mostly a clown. Mostly a clown. They, they didn't set up any special prosecuting units. They didn't flood the zone to Chicago, to Portland, to Seattle, anything. No, his I, best I moment was that. Lafayette Square. His second best moment was the bagpipes. Everything else was downhill <laughs> from there. No, no, no. Look, I, I agree with that. And Lafayette we, Square, we by the way, after the photo op is when, quite frankly, the crew really started. As, as Esper says in his book, he went back and talked to Millie because the media got on him. And that's when they made an agreement that they would control Trump. They wouldn't let Trump get out of control. To me, they should have resigned 
What they're on is should have gone and resigned. To me, that is an absolute coup when they made it, decisions and made decisions later on about who they were going to talk to and other militaries, et cetera. So. It, it didn't go either direction, I, I suppose I should say. The, 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 the 529 insurrection, as I like to call it, was, was shut down and there was some damage and they got mocked for it. But when it came to CHAZ and, and the attempts at these autonomous zones, yeah, yeah. there was nothing. So, I mean, you have an opportunity to either show the, the people you're shutting down, and we call it the summer of love, because the riots were the worst we've seen in 50 years. Uh, it, um, uh, who was the – Michael Tracy did uh, reporting. I believe it's – Michael Tracy is his name? He did the reporting. I don't think you can get that. I don't think the country actually wants to revisit that. I'll be blunt. I think that you have to – if you want to get there, I think it needs to be done. We need to go back to that summer and all those riots and get to the bottom of particularly in the city but other cities. We're not, we're not there. I think you've got to start. You, th- listen, Kamala Harris, they just said the other day, walked up and they compared her to Pearl Harbor in 9-11. They say Pearl Harbor 9-11 in this. If it's at that level, it should have a formal investigation done the way that Congress has done them for over 200 years. And then once that's done, I think the American people, because look, 4 million people watched Tucker the other night, yeah. and they're in shock, and we only got one night of, of footage in the QAnon shaman and some things like that. What happens if you guys had several, you know, eight weeks to prepare, t- t- teams on it, and gave the Democrats so they could cross-examine. I, it would be galvanizing TV, first off. It would be the number know, one show in the country. I don't know why we don't have a vehicle to do that now. I don't know why that couldn't be done in, under the Selects uh, Subcommittee on Weaponization. Isn't that weaponization of government? I, I think, yes. or oversight, or whatever. You guys pick it, but it, to me, it's I, I don't know why it's not happening. The J6 I'm, thing is going to be a festering sort there for the country. And then, I think, in the process of doing it, they're going to go, wow, what about these other things? What about the Well, it, it is a balance, Steve, because I think one of the mistakes Democrats made in our hearing this past week was exclusively focusing on the past. So they wanted Dan Goldman wanted to relitigate the Russia hoax. They wanted to relitigate the Ukraine impeachment. And we're talking about the the type of society with a free exchange of ideas that we want to be able to preserve for the next generation. And I think it's a, it's a more we have to balance the the need for justice the one, the one and preservation okay, of civil liberties with a with a Yes, vision. but I think the vision going forward, Congressman, is the following. I think people would be absolutely shocked when Congress got to the bottom of what was the intelligence of the intelligence community. Does DHS actually have a, a domestic intelligence unit? And were there federal assets and officers involved there? That would shock the country. And going forward, we say we're not going to do York this Times anymore. The New Times already reported it. This is the, our paper of record, as, as you like to say on the war room. Beloved paper of record. Well, I, my recommendation is you, you, I, until we do that, it, until you have a formal investigation of J6, because look, Murdoch and these guys shut Tucker down. They shut Tucker's him down. The, he's the biggest, most powerful. Well, they didn't b- show any more footage. No. The, and the next night, you could tell, you and I talked about it. They, they clearly put that show together at the last second. I mean, he, ha- he had the Russell Brand thing from the day, from uh, the Tucker Today. They, they had plug and play. Really? He's got a lot more footage no he wanted. A lot more footage appeared. A lot more footage he wanted. And then they ran out. Russell Brand. Which and was a pre-recorded, pre-recorded the from, from the, the day of, of an interview they did on his on a streaming show, he Fox Nation, a, a brave front. But, yeah. uh, but there was no more footage. No, there's no more no more original footage from this since the first night. They've had the the mother of the QAnon shaman and the lawyers on that didn't get it. But Steve, doesn't this footage have to be released to the country? Let I would the think. I would think crowdsource it. I think you have to. I, I think the notion of a security of, of, of meaningful security risks is absurd. 
these are yeah, well, I mean, people walk around the Capitol every day. People are taking pictures of, of this building on a, a moment by moment basis. Sure. So I think that's a red herring. And one thing I learned during the Russia hoax is that you've got to get information out. Right. And we have all of these online sleuths that analyze and assemble and aggregate and promote. Right. And it is a right. fool who believes right. that holding information in yes. for the perfect titrated release uh, is commanding the day. Actually, it's it, we really ought to be judged True. on the volume of information we get before the American people. We did sit today at the terminals that are set yeah. up that have the videos that are all there. And, you know, I... I I do not know how Tucker's staff were able to sit down at those three terminals and go through, you know, what is it, 40,000 hours? Yeah, yeah. And a cool. lot of it you can eliminate. It's yeah, sure. In, but you get a map. Can, you can see where all the cameras are. You can drag are the Are you the first two people of elected office actually to sit, go and go through the files? We are, uh, to my understanding, we are the first two Republican lawmakers that have had access to the full suite of files of the January 6th committee. Yeah, that's probably, that can, certainly is true. Can we get the footage to a different news organization if Tucker can't do it? I, uh, you know, I, this, uh, the speaker's call. Well, McCarthy uh, told told Boyle, I mean, the Breitbart interview, he told Boyle in the first question, I'm going to release it to, uh, he says, I'm going to I'm going to release all this. I'm going to release it all. Publicly? So it's like going to be in an archive and we just download it? He said, it. I'm going to release it to other, uh, every news mm -hmm. organization, essentially. He's not going not gonna to hold it tight as soon as, I guess, Tucker's finished with this. And I think obviously some decision will be made shortly hmm. right yeah but it, this, this all has Tucker. to inform the appropriations process though you know yes. what, what dan and i worry about yes. sometimes is that we're going to do all this leg work we're going to expose these facts we do not have the ability to put handcuffs on anybody we don't have the ability to charge anyone with a crime any ref referral for criminal prosecution that we send to Merrick Garland is going to end up in the circular well, Mark firing, Levin told me that Mark Levin said on the stage of CPAC after your speech we're not going to defund the FBI that we're not going to defund well, the FBI well, is that, we, is that it's oh, a ridiculous idea and we're not going to do it we have to curtail the abused authorities and then we have to drain the blood out of out of this place and that is going to mean using a meat cleaver when approaching the FBI budget not an exacto knife I think that's exactly right I, do you get rid of the FBI? Maybe you don't get rid of the FBI, but can you not look at them and see they've got too much in the way of resources? They're too big. They're too omnipresent. I'm okay with it. Lay out <laughs> your idea about breaking up the FBI under the authority of the of the U.S. Attorney. I think another problem that's obvious is, is that, that it's, it's all this decision-making. That was the I, I Mueller change, I, lo I, love, right? I love Dan Bishop's idea. Mueller changed it into a centralized yes. decision-making and intelligence-gathering organization. You need to decentralize it. You need to get rid of the Washington field office. You, you need want to get rid it, of the executive power. You probably need to separate out any intelligence function. Do you put the you entity. put the field offices under the U.S. attorney since they're I, that's what that was my proposal. Let's let the U.S. attorneys direct. You know, be be responsible for their investigators, which are the FBI. Your part of Florida and North Carolina are two of the most conservative parts of the country. What what do they have? What, if you go back to them and talk about restructuring, dramatically restructuring. In taking powers away from the FBI, what would they say? Standing ovations. I've got, look, I've done it. I, I do do that. And and um, the, this is something that's very interesting to me. Coming to Washington, and I haven't been here. I've only been here four years almost. People out there, it's amazing. They're very well informed, and they are way ahead of Washington. <laughs> they are way ahead of <laughs> understand, understanding what needs to be done. And uh, and they're not they're not shy about saying that. You know, so when Chip Roy talks about defunding woke and weaponized government in Washington, I think there's a cheering, cheering section out there, and it's really big. I was particularly impressed with the, uh, big, the hearings with big tech when uh, 
you had Matt Tybee being a so-called journalist, and you also had a woman who did not know what Substack or who Mr. Weiss was. And I thought to myself, <laughs> did they do five minutes of Google prep before coming into this, this hearing? I, no, no. Sylvia Garcia is going to send a subpoena to find out exactly how high the Substack is. <laughs> not good. Well, I mean, how are we supposed to solve these problems when you've got people who come in clearly in bad faith with no knowledge and claim... It's not happening, but I don't know what you're, you're claiming is happening. You know what I mean? The, the question is, do they look like clowns to the country as much as they do to, yes. to, to yeah. us? Yeah. <laughs> I, think I don't think it's any they doubt. Think they're, yeah. they're bound to. Yeah. They're bound to. Because I, I, they're attacking. I mean, you can – look, I'm – out of, I'm an older guy and so forth. Matt Taibbi and, and Michael Schellenberger, everybody who's watching things, they know these guys Ta- are real. Ta- Ta- Taibbi and Andrew went at it every day, right? That shows you how far the country's come, right, with Taibbi now being basically – a witness for honesty and truth and, yeah. and, and this thing's gotten out of control. To me, that was a huge moment. Of course, the mainstream media didn't want to touch it because he's a renowned guy, a guy with real credentials. I, I feel like uh, the way I describe it is we're, this country is suffering from hypoxia. One, one hemisphere of this country's brain has been starved of oxygen. And when you are suffering from hypoxia, you cannot save yourself because you don't know so they do these tests where they'll reduce the oxygen level in a, in, a, in a hyperbaric chamber or something, ask you math questions. The people think they're answering right. When they turn the oxygen back up, they look at scribbles and chicken scratches, and they're like, I, I thought I put the right answer down. They put the wrong numbers. How are we supposed to solve a problem when, you know, you ask if, if people are uh, see these people as clowns same way we do? I don't think they do. I think they may be completely demoralized. No, you're too generous. You're, it's too generous. Hypoxia isn't typically something that you do to yourself. Uh, I sometimes wonder with these folks, which stage of the ritualistic self-mutilation exercise are we in at this point? Uh, I, and, and especially, you know, on the war room, we talk a lot about China. And as I assess these Chinese capabilities that we allow into our country, like the balloon mania, I never really got because we got what one in every four Americans with TikTok on their phone. Yeah. We've got Chinese surveillance equipment at almost every U.S. port where they are able to get signals intelligence on the entire supply chain of the United States. We have rural America being connected by Chinese technology. We have U.S. police stations flying Chinese drones, and we're going to get worked up over like 1950s technology but in this balloon. Everybody can see it. Right, everyone could see it. So it was a sigh. I came on the war room the, the day yeah. after and said I thought that was a total sigh. But a serious country would not do these things. Yes. A serious country would not allow what's happening on the border to happen. And one of the thing that, things that's frustrated Dan and I is that like, we've got some of these Republicans who will not vote for the legislation necessary to jam the Biden into right. a, a border strategy. Right. And we have got to have a vote on Chip Roy's legislation to detain or turn away at the border. And, and let the chips fall where they may. But we are hearing now that there are folks who say, oh, well, if it won't pass, we can't bring it to the floor because that would show weakness. No, you know what? It would show strength, the strength of our ideas. Yes. They say that they say their concern is that it'll show it'll, it'll expose the people who vote against that to losing their seats. Why shouldn't we expose them to it? Have other people replace them? Look, yes, you guys, I agree. You, you guys in four days did more for this country than has been done on Capitol Hill in forty years. Bullshit, but, Steve. Yeah. That I I will not take that praise because all we did was develop it. a toolbox. 
And, and but that's we, more than there's been, been, that's more than yeah, been but there's been all this adulation. Not, not just that, you galvanized everybody. Everybody was watching. It was a number one TV show. It galvanized the country. And people realized, you know, because you were so opposed by Fox and everybody at yeah. first that you're, it's not about, you're not bringing the country together. You have to have unity, everything like that. And you showed exactly what the problems are and that you need to But it's not an end unto itself. It's not. It's the not. summit has not, not been no, achieved. No, 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 no. But no, I didn't say that. Didn't My point is, is that. You guys always have that weapon of how to take the the magnificent six or the mighty twenty and do it and, and do it again. You know you're gonna like you said, the country is far behind, far ahead of where the city is in this capital. You guys have the people have your back. You just have to be more aggressive on how you do it. You can't. There's no amount of aggressive action you can take in Congress right now that will not be rewarded by people saying, "I like these guys. Yeah. I like what they said." Like your your thing on Syria. That This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere Thursday at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. That when you, when you stood up and it was the Republican, it was the interventionist Republicans that looked idiotic because nobody actually heard a compelling case how one Congress has to get this power back, and number two, this is absurd of what we're doing. The neocon, this the, the, this whole neocon, you know, trying to police the world. That was a powerful moment. You guys just need more and more and more. I right. wouldn't pull punches. You 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 you, you, you know you give McCarthy's guys a, 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 some time, but then you guys start. And I think you're going to have more people up there realizing, hey, I got to be part of this team because we're not aggressive enough. I want I want to give a, a white pill, I guess, for all those who may be discouraged. I kind of feel like the position I've been in for a long time, like as you're describing it, no more world police. I, I believe in securing our borders, bringing jobs back, bolstering the American Same. people, all that stuff. And I, I felt when I was younger that it didn't exist at all. It was the establishment neocons and it was the corporate neolibs. Now yeah. it feels like, as, as much as sometimes it feels like we're losing in some respect, this is actually the most I've ever seen in terms of real opposition to the machine Especially in the Congress system, the neoliberal neocon world order we've had for since World War II is collapsing before our eyes, right? You can see that whether it's, the, whether it's the well, chaos is going to. I mean, something's got to come out of this, and it's going to be a, a not pleasant transition. But from Silicon Valley Bank, right to yeah, to what's happening in Syria, you've got the neoliberal part of capitalism that is collapsing. You've got this situation in Ukraine, and now you've got the CCP just cut a deal with Iran and our great ally Saudi Arabia to basically take yeah. uh, you take Chinese currency yuan for, instead of petrodollars the neoliberal oh, neocon world structure is collapsing before our eyes okay and you never know where the next shock is going to come from Silicon Valley Bank Kramer was touting the stock right a couple of weeks ago <laughs> right <laughs> touting the stock as a go long as a buy a couple it's of weeks good. ago <laughs> no too good and by the way the company's out trying to raise a couple of billion it's dollars like short, a week short, ago quick. and this thing you don't know where the contagion is going to be it, it caught everybody surprised the california regulators had to st i said today on the show at 10 o'clock i said this bank will not exist by the close of business now what shocked me was that the california regulators stepped in before the fed because yelling these guys don't want this such a bad narrative for them about what's happened to the bonds, the governor's securities, all of it, such a terrible narrative, that in this thing, remember, you're gonna have a thousand great startups that are not gonna make payroll next week, and they're Ooh. gonna come right here. To the, it's $179 billion in deposits are uninsured. 
They're going to come right to the Capitol next week, and they're going to ask, flying over East Palestine, Ohio, which never got a ballot, and they're coming right here and say, guys, innovation. The guy said, we're going we're gonna to fall behind China for, uh, by a decade in innovation because the best startup companies we have all bank here. They're not going to make payroll. It's going to it's going to collapse. You think Seventy two hours ago, nothing. We didn't know anything about this. My point yeah. is that's the neoliberal neocon order yeah. is collapsing in front of you. Yeah. So become a member at timcast.com so that we can make payroll because <laughs> I'm, I'm only half kidding actually. When whenever this stuff hits, I mean we we see it and we we often see it uh, first because yes, what happens is when COVID first hit, all of these small businesses, the way ads work on YouTube. Small mom and pop restaurant buys a couple hundred bucks in ads for the month that target their local area. People will see it on Facebook or Instagram or something. But that all adds up. Our video plays in that area. It hits those I ads. I would know, Tim. I've been banned on YouTube. That's right. On every platform. But we, How about you, man? We, we in, banned? Still on YouTube. Right? <laughs> now, uh, by the way, the only I got strikes on YouTube only when I would post my interviews on War Room. All of my strikes are War Room strikes. <laughs> well, I, I want to say right now, we are seeing ad rates dropping a lot. Really? Yes, You're, oh, we're, big time. We're seeing these, these layoffs in yeah. Silicon Valley. Yeah. Before SVB, yeah. this news came out, all the tech layoffs, yeah. I'm looking at in our ad rates, so I'm just yeah. like, be a member, because membership is a yeah. shield for us. And then with, with ads dropping the way they are this time of year, it feels like it's going to be a summer of, of very, very dark financial days. Now we're seeing this. Look, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to say something that could precipitate it by yeah. encouraging people to panic or anything like that. I'm just saying, I, I agree with you that the, the world is, the neo-lib, neocon system is breaking apart. That means the night is always darkest before the dawn. I tell people to get some chickens and get some emergency food and learn how to take care of themselves. I tell the people first thing is when a guy, it, it, look, this is madness. This, the economic system we have today is madness. When Biden sits there, as, as, when you look at the depression of working class people in this country, and they come up this week, everything we've been talking about, and they come up with... Uh, $6.8 trillion budget, not one cut to one program. In fact, the rate of increase, I think, is almost 6%, a 5.2% pay increase for federal employees. And across the board, they have, they have at their own calculation what trillion and a half dollar deficits as far as the I can go. The $3 trillion dollar taxes, which I, my recommendation is the House should meet tomorrow and Saturday, the Republicans. They should pass every tax increase they've got, all of them. Send it to the Schumer and the Democrats and dare them to pass it. You're going to see what <laughs> phonies they are. Because it's all their donors. All the big hedge fund guys are, are, are their donors. All the, billionaires, all the billionaires are their donors. Those billionaires hate MAGA, right? Yeah. And then, and by the way, Schumer had the guts to do it, which he wouldn't do it. Biden would veto it. Because it's all his all his sponsors. Bannon's it's all in on I the agree. It's all, it's foreign a, wealth tax. I agree. On, on, on. I'm not actually for repatriate. I'm, I'm for repatriate. No, I'm for more than the wealth tax. When you have one the wealth, ta wealth tax, I'm more than that. Now I want the I want the repatriation. Look, when you have one percent of the people, citizens own more assets than the bottom ninety. That system can't sustain itself. Agreed. If the revolutionary generation came back, they would spit on the floor. They fought a revolution to get away from a landed aristocracy and the mercantilist system of the monopolies of the British East India Company and others like it. That's why John Adams and, and Sam Adams and Hancock were smugglers. The rest were smart lawyers. They said, we want our own deal. We're not going to do that. If they came back and said, you guys allowed this to devolve into an oligarchy? Are you kidding me? We're 1% of the people? This is exactly what they fought the revolution for. I, but I there was like a belief in the elites, even among the revolutionaries. Yes. But there was a sense of duty yes. that was expected of exactly. the elites. And that's I, what we lack today. 
I and I don't know how you I don't know how you reignite that sense of patriotism. I feel like I'm I think I think the way you, I think the way you do it is what you guys did in the first week of of uh, of uh, uh, January. Except continue. This, just, and continue, but even that, when you had everybody in conservative media against you, when you had Fox News against you, we had, oh, it's unity and you guys are terrible guys. And I got to tell you, we came that close on that Friday night at 10 o'clock to total victory, right? It was that, it was hung in the balance. So it's, it's, I think people get patriotic when they see that, when they see action. They love their country. Go out in the hinterland. In your constituents, they're so far ahead of where we are. And it's not stupid. They understand the details. They understand what's going on because yep. of shows like uh, Tim Pool and so many other podcasts out, out there that get the information out to people, and they're hungry for information. They will immerse themselves. If you put up different links to go to, they will start. I give homework assignments over the weekend. People will read it and come back, and will be informed. will be asking questions in the chat rooms, et cetera. So people want the, the patriotism, the DNA of our revolution is still with us, right? Right, It's still with us. Remember, there's only a third of the guys in the, in the revolution on our side, right? There's a third yeah. Tories, a third of ourselves, and a third in the middle, like there always is to say, hey, I'm going to see how this thing plays out. That's the resilience of the country. The resilience, is exactly. That, is that they can take institutions over, but they can't really change that. People can step forward and do it, fix something when they're ready to do it. You, it sounds like Occupy Wall Street. You know, and I think the reason critical Occupy race theory... Occupy Wall Street had a lot of positive stuff with it before it went off the tracks. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, listen, you can't have a it's system... It just evolved into a bunch of homeless people no, <laughs> fighting each other in tents. The, it turned into it, like, yeah, a, like no, a homo it was, jungle. Yes, yes. It, what were the good but, parts but, but on listen, that? No, no, the good parts <laughs> is you can't have this concentration. <laughs> listen, Obama... Remember, Obama ran as an anti-war populist to defeat Hillary Clinton. Right, something Bernie Sanders didn't do in two shots on goal. Okay, he ran as an anti-war populist. When he came in, with he inherited this financial collapse, and quite frankly, did the neoliberal way to just flood the zone, take the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, put four trillion dollars on it, flood the zone to boost up uh, assets, uh, real estate, and 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 stocks and bonds go to negative interest rates so the little guy gets screwed they they debated it the the gov the, the minutes of the president of the governors of the of the federal reserve dick fisher down in dallas he walked through how you are doing this bailout on the backs of working class and middle class people who have no chance for capital formation their savings accounts their checkings accounts their money market accounts are going to have nothing in 10 years from now they're literally going to have nothing except what they work for which we're taxing at essentially a 40 percent rate I they're going to have nothing until we vote on the silicon valley Bang, bailout. <laughs> well, you think it'll be next week, or do you think it'll be two weeks? You know, I got to tell you I, I, something. Um, I was, I'm not so sure that they can do something like that. I mean, they got, you know, it's like you said. Well, we have the tools, or well, we're going to admire them, well, or we're going to use them. I don't think they can do. I don't think they can go bail out he, he, SVB. Well, I tell you how. Dan tell, Bishop no, predicts no, it on no, Tim Cast. Yeah, there will be no vote yeah, on the no, Silicon Valley. No, no, no. But tell them how they're going to By the way, you said today. Tell them how they're going to do it. They're going to use national security, and they're going to use the deep state as the excuse that, that Gates nailed it today early in our show. They're going to say that this is the centerpiece of all these companies that are high-tech companies in Silicon Valley, all these companies that let us compete with the Chinese, and if you don't let them make payroll next week, okay, it's going to collapse, and we're going to be a decade behind the CCP, well, well, and they're going to make it, make it a national... So, so what's the coalition of votes there? The Silicon Valley Democrats, Neocon. led by Ro Khanna, the neoconservatives, 
uh, led by the traditional voices of that movement in, in the House Republican Caucus, and then the appropriators, because they always, you know, they, spending money is not typically something that's an affront to someone on the appropriations committee. Is that is that the the co that's the coalition looks, I that's, see? That looks like four hundred. That looks like four hundred votes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more votes than I got on my uh, my resolution to pull out of Syria. Mm. I don't um, see that coalition coming together. I don't see Ro Kahana as much as he talks about economic patriotism, putting that coalition together to have a bailout of, of East Palestine, Ohio. See, we're gonna, you guys are going to replay 2008 and 2009, where, Louis Garment, you had, you had a decision. Do we step in and have intervention and try to save this corrupt system by infusing it with taxpayer cash to bail out the elites, or do we let the contagion spread and let the devil catch the hindmost? And the problem is when you're looking into the abyss, it's a very tough call for you guys to make because they're going to sit there and go, right now we're looking into an open pit. You have no idea how deep this could go, you know, how the American financial system could collapse, how the international financial system could collapse. So you better vote to bail it out with taxpayer cash. So you're going to take it from people making $45,000 a year to bail out the wealthiest people on earth, and they're going to put a gun to your head. And they're going to say, okay, you're gonna, you, 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 if, you don't, if you vote no and let capitalism take its... Take its, take its path. This contagion will spread. They're already talking about it. Is it, it a contagion or chemotherapy? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Are you saying let SVB fail? I think you have to, by the way. Until yeah. you get a bailout of East Palestine, Ohio, screw, Agreed. screw. Look, those people are the guys that mock and ridicule MAGA every day of the week. This is the elite. That is, is, it's an elite bank. The, yeah. mo I think, most elite bank in the country. It only has a certain clientele of the, only the best of these high-tech companies. Only the, it's all the venture capitalists. It's all, politically, they all hate us. And they, they, they mock and ridicule the central part of this country. They're, they're, the, they're the coastal elites. Let their venture capital from, they got plenty of cash, plenty of capital. Let them go bail themselves out. Yeah. Physician, heal thyself. Do not come to us. <laughs> when you have not, you sit there and you mock and ridicule East Palestine. You have some bo bogus uh, um, a hearing when nothing gets settled, nothing gets sorted. I, Until East Palestine gets a bailout, there shouldn't be one freaking penny I, given I, to anything in Silicon Valley. I agree. And it feels similar to the energy I felt when, when you guys stood up in the speaker's vote. Yes. Someone finally saying to the machine, you can't just steamroll us over and over and over yes. again. It's, up, it's the same play. It's 2008-9. It's, 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 the, it's the bailout. Uh, it's the, with the, it is. China drove this the exactly, COVID exactly, exactly, exactly the what's going to happen. I don't know that my... To what extent... If you, go back, to, if you go back to town halls, if you go back to town halls in your district, Next week, next weekend, and say and say, and say and we'll say they've come to us with SVB, and we're going to lose. Here's what we're going to lose: the contagion is going to spread to other banks. Number two, we're going to lose all these great companies, uh, and we're going to be uh, lose all our innovation for a decade. That's what we're saying: we're going to lose all our innovation for a decade. What is your what is your district going to tell you? If a an earthquake hit Silicon Valley, I'm not sure that my constituents would vote to send FEMA. <laughs> so, with the banks failing, they certainly won't be won't be in favor of sending more money. He's the master. Wow, <laughs> so great. I I, I am uh, the part of me fears the ripple effect on regular people. Part of me feels like rip the bandaid off. You you regular cannot people. have this moral hazard. Yeah. You simply cannot. And and you know what. Bannon told you moments ago, regular people are going to get pinched in this fourth turning that oh, we are in. We have to come out of it resilient and strong as a country, and, and there will be some good people 
uh, who, who I think will, will pay the price. But we cannot allow this moral hazard to exist where these companies can go focus on their DEI and their ESG and they, they can induct the new era of cancel culture through the financial system. It's going to be very, it's going to be very interesting to be a fly on the wall at your conference. Because they're going to come and make a presentation to the what, conference, Dan, and, they, what's and the they're going to show, and they're going to show, they're going to show the contagion spreading, and they're going to sit there and go, guys, I know you're not going to like it, but we got to saddle up, and we don't. Everybody's got to vote for it because you don't. You're going to make everybody else look bad. This is I, what the, pre this is the pressure I, you're going to get. I think Andrew Yang called for it, didn't he? I, I'm pretty sure he tweeted the federal government should backstop SVB. Let me let me see. Uh, 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 Bill Ackman already did. Bill Ackman's Bill Ackman, the hedge fund. Bill Ackman already said if there's not a deal with another bank over the weekend. We have to begin the process of a federal bailout immediately. Now yeah, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Yang's tweeted, in the absence of some kind of action, you'll see thousands of mass layoffs and defunct companies, a wiped okay. out generation of startups, huge problems in California in particular, and spreading financial contagion that will infect a host of regional banks at a minimum. That's get, Andrew, get, get ready Monday, get ready Monday, because that's going to be everything on now, TV, on. and they're going to be calling you guys back to say But there okay. was a startup bubble because of the COVID policies. I don't think people connect that. There was this belief that because of COVID, we were all going to live in our pods, right. eat the bugs, and you know, have DoorDash deliver read our that, food. Read, read it again from the top. That's exactly, this is, summer, Yang summarizes Yang says, it perfectly. In the absence of some kind of action, you'll see thousands of mass layoffs and defunct companies, a wiped out generation of startups, huge problems in California in particular, and a spreading financial contagion that will infect a host of regional banks at minimum. I'd just like to add, the, the, you know, he says that, and I'm sort of feeling worried until he says huge problems in California in particular, and I'm like, oh. Well, I'm not sure I care all that much. I was going to say, I'm just not, I don't know how I go he's home got tell all my the folks in Union he, County, North Carolina, he, we got to save California. He, he, yeah, Silicon seriously. Valley. So, yeah, Silicon Valley. A generation of tech companies, contagion spread, it's all the, the narrative. Those are the those are the building blocks of the narrative, and they're going to work it all just, weekend. The Sunday shows right. are going to all be about this. It's not going to be about... The financial policies of Joe Biden and Powell and these radicals and incompetence that caused the collapse of, uh, of uh, Silicon Valley Bank, because that's what caused it. There'll be nothing about that. It'll all be about how we have to step in and bail this thing out. Just go to your constituents and say, please think of the people in the Bay Area and how much of your support they need. There's two Starbucks across from each other. What if one of them goes under? They need My your people are going to be saying, Make this a, is what we've been waiting for. That's right. Yeah. Let, let, up, let, like, let Starbucks unionize first, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. That's the interesting thing, man. What, what, I, I got really triggered once because I saw a meme that accused you of being a white supremacist, Steve. And, uh, and I see all these Occupy people insulting you, and it's this picture of you, and they're just like it, – it's a meme where they, they claim that you think you're the master race. And I'm like, have they listened to a single word Steve Bennett's ever said? Because you'd, you're the guy who would be up on top of the stage everything you just said. Yeah. bullhorning to all of these people Big this time. is it and yeah. they'd be cheering for you yeah. but the media introduces critical race theory yeah. gender ideology lies yeah. about you yeah. and it splits up the people who should be yeah. agreeing this is about you. money this is this is the the collapse of the neoliberal order is uh is a chance i do royce white later royce white's uh, show later the collapse of the neoliberal order which is predicated upon the slave labor of China, the Lao Beijing, gives us an opportunity to throw off the chains of working class people everywhere, right? Regardless of race or, 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 or gender or, um, or uh, religion, right? Um, and we have a unique opportunity to do that in this. And, uh, and that's gonna come. That's why populism's on the rise. And particularly that's why right wing, what I'm proud to be a right wing populist. That's why right wing populism's on the rise.
So uh, Min Liang Tan, co-founder and CEO of Razor, tweeted, I think Twitter should buy SVB and become a digital bank. Elon Musk replied, I'm open to the idea. Seems a bit silly. I don't know. How would you, what would you think about that? If, I, mean, would that I think until out? Elon Musk starts letting back on the most, uh, the true anti-CCP people that he keeps blocked off there, myself included, not that I want to really? go on there. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. He's, owned, he's owned by the Chinese Communist Party. What are you talking about? Tesla, his only sense, of, only thing of real value is Tesla. He, he mar- uses it for margin loans. He sells the stock. The Shanghai joint venture is 100% controlled by the CCP. This is, why, this is why he never goes after the CCP. This is why he always backs off. This is when they had the, the protest. They had the protest about the lockdowns of COVID. He, w- he will not do it. Elon Musk is a total and complete phony. He is in bed in a business partner. He's done some good stuff, letting stuff out. Uh, you know, with Taibbi and others, it's fine. But he is owned, lock, stock, and barrel by the Chinese Communist Party, and he acts like it. The, right? the, there was a story recently that they warned him to stop talking about lab leak. 100%. He's got, and, and he, I think there was another They warned him to take down the tweets he did the first right. time. Now, he didn't take them down, but you notice he didn't have any more up there after that. And I wonder if he said, okay, I won't tweet more about it. But here's, here's the issue I see with the CCP in the United States, and if the United States falters, if this fourth By the way, the CCP Chinese companies are all in this, this, uh, the Silicon Valley Bank. Oh, yeah. That's another thing they're Silicon already talking about. We think but there may be up to a third the, of those, those innovative companies may be CCP. The, the principle that we see in American politics applies similarly to the rest of the world. China will crush you with a boot if you're, if you're operating within their borders. The United States will have committee hearings. They may fine you. They'll come after you. In the United States, Antifa will throw a mortar through your window and they'll firebomb your house and the right will struggle to say mean words about you. Matt Walsh calls an individual unearthly and there's this, oh, I can't believe he dared say that. And then Antifa ransacks a government facility and burns houses down and it's not even in the news. So I think I I can see what's going to happen if that pressure continues. Elon Musk is going to say, look, I can go to the U.S., I can rag on their government, I can rag on the problems politically and it's fine. In fact, it gets me more supporters China will destroy me in two seconds if I go anywhere near that, so I better shut up about them. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. See, that's what I think with the FBI and all this about the domestic terrorism and the white supremacy and all that. I don't think you can get there, even in hearings or whatever, until you get to the bottom of J6. I think J6 is so emblazoned in people's memories. If you go back and well, actually show... Well, J6 changed the way the FBI thought about domestic violent extremism. I mean, we, we have been in depositions where the whole construct of categorizing domestic violence extremism, the way they would mark a case. You know, for example, if you were investigating an organization, you would open a file, uh, and then you would open up targets underneath that file. After J6, there was such a desire to resource an effort to combat domestic violence extremism that they would say in an organization, if there were eight people, each separate person had to have a separate file opened on them so that they could create the veneer or the illusion that there was a greater problem than there ever was. Throughout the country. They'd assign these cases to the individual field offices instead of all of them being Washington field office cases in order to give the appearance of this burgeoning spread of domestic violent extremism. You know, but Matt, on the other hand, 
ever since I walked in the door up here, I've been hearing from these people to sit down in hearings and, and Homeland Security or Judiciary committees, and they tell us about the you know the, the the most lethal threat to the homeland is domestic violent extremism. So they use January 6th to advance a narrative. You know, I think it's sort of a way station, though, Steve. I think you, Tim is right that. You may be right, the country doesn't want to go back and rehearse all the Portland and Seattle and Chaz and so forth, but the Atlanta attack does open up a new chapter. Yes. All of this is weaponization. Actually, you can see there's another one. The, 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 you mentioned Whitmer. You know, one of the FBI handlers in, in one of, with, one of those, with the, the uh, Whitmer uh, informant, main, doc, main guy there, was trying to also run a separate scam with respect to Ralph Northam, and there's that there's that line that he uses the the FBI handler to the uh, the confidential human source, who is about to reach out to somebody who's trying to draw into one of these FBI plots, and he and he says, and and the uh, informant asks for guidance, and he says the plot is specifically to kill the governor, the the, the FBI is trying to inspire and yes. concoct. Yes. Plus, there was another one involving a BLM guy though, that they wanted to uh, propose an assassination plot against the Attorney General of Colorado. It's, what is well, up? Well, let's, let's pause there because it's a tactical decision we have to make. Uh, you know, there have been circumstances where the FBI has taken action against the left that might offend our sense of civil uh, liberties. And Dan and I believe that our committee work will be more successful if you get the few civil libertarians that still might exist as an endangered species on the left interested in I some agree of the work with you 100%, we're doing. I agree with you 100%. I think you ought to do the investigation. They try to do this left-wing groups. you, you got to expose that because ultimately it can be turned against anybody. It's the apparatus that's the problem, right? right. So I think, I think if you can garner support from the few remaining true civil libertarians are up there you, you definitely ought to do that and you ought to look at what the abuses they did to left-wing groups i'm sure they're out there they are. right well on FISA, on fisa for example zoe lofgren of california is uh, an ally to try to curtail the authorities that have been abused you know how do we put together ideas legislation that can draw those people into a reform movement yeah i i, I feel like you've mostly won the civil libertarians i i, I I find myself sitting down with conservatives all the time who have staunchly conservative views that I mostly don't share, but we never even talk about that because the issue is typically the weaponization of governments, the failure of our or, or capture of our institutions. So you end up with this, I call it sometimes the freedom faction, I guess, because I'm like the, saying the right doesn't make sense because there, there are people who are actually somewhat socialistly, I mean, Joe Rogan, for instance, talks about UBI and other socialist like policies. He's very left. Said he would have voted for Bernie. If, and if right, Bernie right. had been in the general. And then on all these issues, though, he's now like, well, I'd rather vote for Trump than Biden. I'm like, okay, well, how do you get a left-wing guy who likes Bernie to say, I'd rather vote for Trump? It's because the issue is facts. The, if you can sit down with someone who says they're pro-life and want a flat tax or something, and then I say, okay, well, we can talk about that, I guess. But then they're like, oh, and here's a book of facts of what really happened. And then I'm like, those are all true. I agree with you on that. Then you got another faction of people that either don't know, don't care, or believe lies. I, I see... I think a lot of people who follow this show, for instance, I've, I've, we've done a few polls, some informal, some more formal, and it's like 40% moderates. They don't consider themselves conservatives or Republican. They consider themselves like, I used to be liberal, I guess. Now I don't know what's going on. So I do feel like that coalition is here. The question is, is it that people are too scared to get active and speak out because 
institutional capture. Well, how many how many people look? You used to have a wide swath of the of the center left Democrats were, were civil libertarians. You, that's an endangered species now. You but, only but, have you only have a very small handful but, but, but that, look, that will go against the narrative because they're like Stalinist on the left now. Exactly. An interesting case study is former Congressman, current Colorado Governor Jared Polis. Jared Polis and Justin Amash were in a Liberty Caucus together where they would fight against government right. surveillance, where they would fight right. against endless wars. And then Jared Polis goes and gets a little power in the executive branch in Colorado and, and turns into a big government command and control pro-lockdown Marxist. Left-wing fascist. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's crazy to see that evolution just with the introduction of a little bit of power mm-hmm. with some of these folks. I want to try and read some Super Chats. I can't read them all because of uh, the way we have it set up, but there are some that I think are interesting. I'll try and read as many as I can. This one's actually interesting. Christopher Macy says, I worked for Silicon Valley Bank. Left over a year ago, they were violating equal employment opportunity laws consistently. It was so woke I had to leave. Tim, I sent an email on what I'm doing to change culture and feed my community and others. Appreciate it. So um, the, the one thing I think uh, uh, could be a, uh, one approach is we saw Youngkin do that town hall on CNN where he mentioned when it came to critical race theory in schools, yeah. it's because these, these lessons actually violate the Civil Rights Act. They, they promote discrimination. I'm wondering if there's an approach uh, going along with what Mary Rose, uh, I'm sorry, not Mary Rose, this was um, Critical race theory is explicitly Macy. a critique of the civil rights movement. Right. Is there, is there an approach in terms of institutional capture that is, hey, this wokeness and gender ideology is actually in violation of the law and we can find a way to stop it? A number of folks have suggested that, that the, and, and I think there's some lawsuits to that effect that are rolling around out there. I, I think the problem is you're going to have a, a difficult time defining a suspect class if you're making it some sort of equal protection claim. Well, I mean, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to say, uh, you take the Title VII of, of employment uh, non-discrimination. Yeah. It's, it's hard, hard to say that you're going to put people in a room and, and tell them that uh, white people are inherently bad. and. And, uh, and 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 make that not a violation of Title VII, which says you can't discriminate or have a hostile work environment based on race. I mean, it's, it's the epitome of a hostile work environment. So I, I don't think it's, I don't think there's a difficulty defining a suspect class there. I think that statute is pretty straightforward. It's amazing. I think the same thing is true in Title IX, ti- yeah. uh, the, the education title, and so forth. Paul Engelbrecht says we need olive branches passed between the Tea Party and Occupy Wall Street activists. They were fighting for the same thing with different views of who and how to of, of how and who to fight. I actually disagree. I think um, in the early days of Occupy, it was identical to everything that Steve yeah. was just saying, and the issue was a wokeness started to creep in from trust fund kids who lived in Brooklyn and didn't actually stay at the park. Libertarians and conservatives started to leave because they were like, "What? What is this? I don't want to be involved in this." But the general message, from for the most part, was populist. They were upset about the bank. I agree balance. with him, though. That's why I think the Olive Branch. I think you, you, there's many things that the left wing populists and the right wing populists can agree on, particularly about economics. You're completely right. And foreign but policy. I have, and foreign I have pol- a, definitely foreign policy. The, ne- the neoliberal neocon order is collapsing. We got to come up with a alternative. I have a friend who uh, we're actually currently working with, who I met during Occupy Wall Street. He's still very much like an anti-Federal Reserve guy. He's like, we got to audit the Fed. we got to get to the bottom of how they use finance to manipulate and control the people and destroy lives and, and, and pressure the society. And then when you, when you look at his posts on Facebook, the people who used to agree 100% with everything he's saying are now posting things about wokeness. And when he tries to talk to them and say, guys, I understand you're upset about this, but this finance stuff they're doing, and they're like, it's, it's white supremacy, you're wrong. And it feels like those activists are gone. They've... they've 
for whatever reason, been pulled into a totally different headspace. Yeah. Call it an effective psyop, I guess. I don't see that many. I, I, I agree with you. I think that's I, that's what I encounter. I, I don't know where, you know, Matt is one of the one, he's probably the most uh, knowledgeable Republican in the conference about where the people would be on the Democrat side who might join in that kind of thing. And I, how many, Matt? How, how many? I don't, uh, I don't. You know, unfortunately, the Democrats are better at the kind of shirts versus skins politics in yeah. in Washington. And I don't think it's more than a, than a small handful anymore, and it's actually yeah, diminishing. It's a yeah, yeah. it's a diminishing brand among Democrats to believe in robust speech. I mean, the only Democrat who spoke out about the horrors of the Twitter files was the, the much mentioned on this episode, yeah, Rokana. Yeah. <laughs> I, I typically, when uh, people ask me if there's any good Democrats, I'm like, well, Rokana's done some good things. I don't know enough about him to say that I would consider We made a movie good. together. People should go watch uh, The Swamp on HBO. I, I made a movie with uh, Ro Khanna, Thomas Massey, and Ken Buck. HBO followed us around for an entire year uh, as, we, as we tried to yeah. build those bridges with the populist right. And the I, think, I think Ro Khanna is very shortly is going to become a very uh, viable potential presidential candidate for the wow. Democrats. By the way, that's why I think he didn't run for the Senate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that Ro Khanna yeah. would have beat Adam Schiff and yeah. Katie Porter in Very a Senate guy. race. But right now, the House of Representatives actually gives you a more pugilist platform. In modern media culture, you want to be in the House. You think he's going to run this, this, this cycle? Well, not, not with Biden, but I think that he's... Do he's you think a, Biden's going to be the Democratic nominee? I, I do not think so. I do not, I do not think he's going to be the Democratic nominee. No, Marianne Williamson. She's running. <laughs> don't I, I, don't I, downplay her. I, no, no, no. I, no, I, no. I, I, think, I think she brings a whole different element. I agree, and I'm deeply offended at how they treat her. It's it's shocking. Dismissive. And, By the way, Robert F. Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy's going to run. Did you, did he you should run as a Republican, but he's going to run yeah. as, on, a, on the anti-vax platform. He'll get, he'll get 10% of primary votes. They'll turn out. I'm not so sure in a Democratic primary, but he will I get the under on ten on ten percent. Ten percent? Did you? I well, under. I tell you, uh, on the, an, the the anti-vax movement, uh, it's 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 big. It's very did big. Did you did you see what uh, Kareem? Rokahana, by the way, just he took Trump's economic nationalism and just turns it into economic patriotism. When he goes throughout the Midwest, and he's obviously very very knowledgeable. I think he's I think he could be a very formidable candidate in the future. Did you see what they what Kareem Jean Pierre said about Marianne Williamson? I mean, it was actually kind of embarrassing what she did. She was asked about Marion Williams announcing she wanted to run against Biden. And she struggled to say crystal ball. And she said, if I had an, uh, what did she call it, an orb? If she, or something like, a globe. If she said, if I had a globe or, uh, and they were like, Williamson, a crystal ball. The, you need the Ouija, Ouija board, right? She oh, no, but, 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 doesn't have no. exactly the right word. She has but this is, the, this is the thing. Exactly. That, I'm so shocked. What the Zen media, master Jean-Pierre. I, I think that what the media did to Marion Williamson is, it shows one of the reasons why they hated Trump so much. They made something up about her and made it stick. She's not a crystal lady. That she, she, She's even been like, why are they saying this about me? It was, it was actually kind of upsetting when I'm watching this. She's like, I've never owned a crystal. Why are they calling me this? And I'm like, What's welcome the to the media. The people? If people believe in the Fed, I've got no problem with people <laughs> believing in the crystal. Well, they're, they're, they're doing it to make her seem like she's a hip, hippie weirdo who has no idea what's going on. So here's what I, where I agree with Marianne Williamson the most, healthcare policy. It seems as though whenever lawmakers debate healthcare policy, all we're really talking about is who's going to pay for the healthcare. Yep. We don't ever really right. have a healthcare, healthcare policy right. to make people healthy. And it sickens me that we continue to subsidize these very unhealthy food uh, foods for poor people. Then those poor people find themselves in bad health, and then we subsidize the bad health and the disability, the SSID on the back end. And it is a function of what I believe is a corrupt system in Washington D.C., largely run by lobbyists and and interest groups. I want to I want to read this from Steadley. He said. 
SVB CEO sold $3.5 million yes. in shares two yes. weeks before the collapse. Yes. Yes. Well, and I, the CFO, by the way, the CFO the way, threw in another $750,000. Patrick McHenry, this has got to wow. be your, net, your witness next week it's in got, the financial it, services. You, you gotta go yeah. before, You've got to call Before they CEO come for a bailout. No, no, seriously, before they come for a bailout, before they come for a bailout, you got to have the CEO and the CFO in front of uh, with McHenry in, in, a, in a finance committee getting grilled right there. I, I want to know what work of the financial services committee would come before this. Like, what do you have the nerve to schedule before questions for that guy? Check this, check this out. Uh, Matthew M. says, Etsy sellers didn't get paid today. It's not just the woke bank, as much as I understand, not wanting to bail out bankers. So it, Who didn't get paid? Etsy, Etsy sellers. Yes. It's, no, this is, this is already, you know, Wells Fargo had some problems. There's some yes. problems in other places. There, Wells Fargo said it was a computer glitch. This is not so going to be good. By the way, first, repu next, first, repu Steve. first Republic Bank. First where, where, where does you know all about all over the mainstream media? We see the, the, this is the contagion. Contagion is like the word of, of the week coming up. Okay, where does uh, it go? S Silicon Valley Bank had uh, seventeen billion dollars of uh, unrealized losses in its in its in its government securities portfolio because they bought government and, and the bonds are getting crushed because of Biden's economic policies. On other banks, I think the number the Wall Street Journal said was $600 billion of losses, right? Losses on other banks right now. So this could, this could spread just because the bond market is getting cr crushed, okay? This could spread. This contagion could spread because what Biden has done to bury this country in this continual over-the-top spending with the collaboration of Mitch McConnell and these guys in the Senate uh, that has driven the Fed now to jack rates. You know, Kramer saying at the end of the day, uh, he's he's taking rates up too much. He's bringing down the system around him. He's got to stop the rate increases so, because that's that kills these bonds. So you're going to see over the weekend, the, none of these banks are going to be sleeping. They're all going to be going through their portfolios. They're all going to be ready to, to say how they're going to trade on Monday. I, we're, we're in a crisis. This is, this is not a solo thing. I happen to think it's systemic. It's Maybe it's just one bad apple. I don't believe that. And, and, and people should be on top of this. And you guys should be calling emergency hearings to get guys in here, the Federal Reserve, the bank regulators. First how question, why are the, the California Fed policy? That's because there, yeah. there are multiple tools. And big, that's for, what he was saying. You don't need to maybe come to you guys. Hey, because you they'll just go, go to an existing Fed. That, yes, exactly. Wow, that would. There, The first question I would ask is, why did the California regulators seize the bank hours before the Fed? Why was Janet Yellen the the control of the currency, the Federal Reserve? Why was the Biden regime not on top of this? Why did they let this thing fester? When you when Peter Thiel, when Peter Thiel sits there the other day and goes, take Peter Thiel is a very conservative guy and he doesn't have his hair on fire. When he comes out and says, take your money out of the bank, that's a papal bull. Okay? Wow. So this is and by the, way, the Fed and, and why did Yellen not move? Why did the Biden regime not move? Because they don't want to they don't want to show the nation it's their economic policies that brought us to our knees. Okay? And that's what you're gonna find out. And the question is, is this now what's happened in the bond market? Because the bond market is twenty times bigger than the stock market. Is it actually gonna end up crushing? the American financial system. And I gotta tell you, it's, we're gonna be in scary times. This is like 2008. Remember, this is the second biggest bank failure in the history of the country. Wow. The second biggest bank failure. It had $208 billion of assets. This is the only bigger one happened during the financial crisis of 2008. This is the 16th largest bank in the country. And this is, this gonna, is not a small thing. This is gonna hit crypto as well. 
Because uh, Silver Lake early in the week. How much of this is, yeah. is one, one, of, one of the coins that's being used is, is uh, got twenty five percent of its holdings yeah. in SVB. So yes. now people are concerned. Crypto is going to definitely get yep. take another hit. Crypto uh, will take a, a Bitcoin was under twenty thousand today. So oh boy. So, so how much of this is these crazy valuations that a lot of these tech companies have gotten as a result of the Biden Fed? A lot, a lot, a lot of it. The easy money, and, and they raise a ton of money, and they put this money in this bank, and now they can't get to it. So it's a because, necessary corrective, right? Well, okay, so this is the question you guys are going to answer. This is 2008. To, uh, you're looking into the abyss. You don't know how it's going to be. Do you vote trillions of dollars for bailouts? And the bailouts are all on the back of shareholders, um, excuse me, of taxpayers making 40000 bucks a year. Okay? And the elite are going to make out. So, you, so, so, you, so you've socialized, you've mitigated their downside, right? You've, you, you've socialized their losses. And you let them have upside. They have unlimited upside, but they have limited downside because the because sh- the the taxpayers are going to bail it out. And that's the question that's going to come back to this Congress. And this is the big fight we had in 2009. And people kind of said, okay, okay, okay. And we ended up doing it. And we never got to the problem. We have still so many zombie financial companies, the too big to fail uh, situation with the banks and the financial system. We never got to the bottom of it. We never lanced the boil and let the pus come out. Because guess what? That's a brutal, tough process. If the right? ruling class does that again, the people are coming with pitchforks. That's, that's it. I well, mean, the, I the, the, by the way, the pressure is going. By the way, the first line of defense is you guys, because the big debates are going. to Remember, they. It's a how, certain. How limit. fast will Schumer pass this to put pressure on the House? You think? I think it's going to be big. Remember, in two thousand eight. Let's just go back when Lehman collapsed because they got tired of moral hazard. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they didn't th- think about is that the commercial paper market, which is the way all the companies overnight get their cash in the cafeterias and right. the, to pay everybody, it was the center. The commercial paper market collapsed, so the whole system froze. Mm-hmm. By Thursday, they went to see Bush, and they said, this is uh, Paulson and, and Bernanke, and they said, we need a trillion dollars by 5 o'clock, or the American financial system will collapse in 48 hours, and the world financial system will collapse in 72 hours, and you have global anarchy, something the Nazis couldn't do. The, the military junta in Japan couldn't do. Our greatest enemies couldn't do this to us. We did it to ourselves. And Bush said, I don't have the authority to do that. You have to go up to the House. The only person has the ability to do that is the Speaker of the House, and the House has to vote this, right? They're the only people that can actually commit money. And so that's where this whole process started, and that's where all those huge debates on the floor with Louis Gohmert and, and five libertarians saying they're going, no, it's called capitalism let it rip, right? And they were overwhelmingly, everybody said, okay, that's great. Theoretically, we can't do that because there may not be a bottom to this thing. You guys are going to be faced with the same thing over the next couple of weeks. And local governments and state governments who are heavily utilizing the bond market will be the, right behind the neo. Robini, Robini said, we have, because of the zero interest rates we went to, right now in the world, there's $300 trillion of debt. That debt at the personal level, at the county level, the school board level, the border level, the, the local government, city, state, federal government, of everywhere, it's $300 trillion. All basically predicated on an interest rate structure that's close to zero. Now that interest rate structure is at 4% for ten-year, the 10-year bond and 5% for two, remember, the night the election was stolen from Donald Trump, on, uh, and the evening of 3 November 2020. I hope you enjoy being on YouTube. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> well, Steve Bannon's completely wrong about that. <laughs> continue. On 3 November 2020, when Fox called Arizona for, for Joe Biden, the 10-year Treasury was 0.86%. The 10-year Treasury today is 4%. 
right? That's a massive increase. And by the way, people under 30, the millennial generation has $9 trillion of debt. You guys are nothing, what I've said for years, are nothing but Russian serfs. You're adding debt at a faster pace than any other generation in our history, and you're not going to be able to pay. You're like a hamster on a wheel but with what, a little bit of credit. So what, what this is only going to get worse, dramatically worse. So what does that mean for us other than, I mean, the economy gets bad? Yeah, the economy gets bad, but then you start having bankruptcies. What you're going to start to have is not the inability to pay. Well, right now, the debt ceiling. Yeah. We're essentially a bankrupt nation, okay? We have this thing called the Federal Reserve that continues to print money, and it can continue to print money because the, the biggest export we have in the world is the dollar. Yep. Every transaction, and this is why what the CCP announced today with Iran and Saudi Arabia is so big, because they're doing 40-year output. As, as the Green New Deal comes here, and we're trying to get to a net carbon zero, that Saudi Arabia and Iran are getting more important to China, the CCP, who just burn anything. And they're doing long-term output deals for all their production, 40-year deals, and they're going to use the yuan, the Chinese currency, and take it directly and bear the risk that that comes, not converted into petrodollars. Once we are not the reserve currency, which Great Britain was up until World War II, we took over at Bretton Woods after the war because we were the superpower. Once that is not our top export. Not once every, whether it's a drug deal or, or, or converting something to put into a, a church in France in the, in the, uh, in the collection plate. Once it does, we're not the prime reserve currency. We're Argentina. Well, thank we're goodness Argentina. the cartels still operate in the U.S. dollar. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, I mean, you know, with, with the <laughs> Saudis moving something. to the right. lawn, I mean, we really need the cartels. So, so, so and what, where dollar. this is headed right now, their debate, this, their, their debate, look, Biden just put in your face a $6.8 trillion budget that has no cuts anywhere, basically 6% growth, not one cut, in, and so he's not prepared to meet anybody halfway. And you have a debt ceiling right now that we see from the Congressional Budget Office at minimum will add $19 trillion in 10 years. That means we'll have $50 trillion of debt. You understand, we're going to have growth. It's going to kill growth under 2%. You're going to have lost, a lost generation or two in this country with under 2% growth, uh, overbearing debt, so much money to go to pay off the debt, no opportunity, no venture capital, no ability to grow the economy, everybody li uh, living like a Russian serf. That well, is the thank, future. But, thank goodness the Zoomers are mentally healthy enough for this. Well, but hold they've on. They've developed so, a resiliency. They've shed frailty. But that, that, that's, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Stop, I'm, I'm stop not painting such a rosy picture, Steve. I'm, I'm not sure I, uh, I'm, I'm all that worried if that's the worst-case scenario. I think one thing my generation and the younger generation need is to learn how to roll up their sleeves, chop some wood, and raise some chickens. One of the problems that we've had with millennials and Gen Z is They've, they've been born into a world with, with silver spoons cash. up their asses. Everything. You, I mean, they, they want for nothing. You, uh, the story I tell is the first day I walk into Vice Media with my job, I was shocked to find that people didn't even show up and were getting 30 to 60K, depending on what your writing job was. And well, I come People from, don't show up here and they get 172,000. Well, well, absolutely. But I'm, I'm in New York City and I'm thinking to myself, some of these people are getting 50, some of these people are getting 100K and they don't even show up. And I come from a world where I was loading bags and airplanes for 10 bucks an hour, mm -hmm. and people are getting injured, they're getting, they're getting uh, uh, repetition injuries. If, I, I said if the people, the working class of this country found out what life was like for the, for the uh, laptop class, mm -hmm. they'd be a revolution overnight. The, the idea that someone's getting 40, 50 bucks an hour to think about how they can write another article about how racist Trump is, and meanwhile, some other person is breaking their back, lifting steel beams right. for 20, 30 bucks an hour. They're going to be like, are you kidding me? They, they, this, this can't be that way. So this We're, generation, they need to learn 
Where, I chop some wood. Where these guys are going to come under the pressure, not just the bailout of, of SBV and stopping the contagion, but then you get right into the spending, into the debt ceiling. And you're, you're going to get um, the emotions of this are going to be huge because they're saying you're going to throw kids well, out that's of the street. You're gonna get, this, this is going to be the battle of the ages on finance in this country. That what happens right now with the debt ceiling? You get me excited. Well, what? no, you got to draw the line. If you, if you give them an inch, and I mean an inch, because right now you 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 don't have to uh, you don't have to uh, do anything to any government security. You got enough cash coming in to pay the interest and pay the face amount of the debt. You'll never default. A default but, but, has to be done by the Secretary of Treasury. But these guys are going to be guilt tripped every day. The media is going to be me, it's, it's going to be a government shutdown to the hundredth power. I, I, I got to ask you. I mean, this story is really breaking on a Friday, right? Yes. Th th this, that says to me they knew it was coming well in advance, mm -hmm. and it was planned for this day because this is the day where everyone's off partying and not paying attention. That's Friday's where news goes to die. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like they knew this was coming, and they wanted to... Well, they definitely <laughs> didn't want... Like the they definitely... Let's say this. The California regulators, for a, ca a bank a state regulator to step in front of the Fed and something like this and federal oh, yeah. authorities is unheard of on a bank that's not some local community bank. So it's what's the Newsom pivot? How, how Newsom, I think, is in, in real trouble on this because I think Newsom, this is going to hit to the thing, but I think Newsom's going to step in and start to, he's going to come back and make the big play that you got to bail this out. This is the future of he the country. He comes to Washington 100%, to demand the bailout. 100%. Gavin Newsom will come and say, this California model is actually the model for the country. Yep. It's high tech. We're the leader in the world. If you don't do this, we're going to be a decade behind the CCP. These are a thousand of the best. Look at all. It's, it's Andrew Yang. California is a donor yeah. state. 100%. Donor, well, 100%. If you have donor state on your bingo card. This will be his. This will be his. There's it, a pretty it, powerful it, counter argument. It, Everything it, water turns to shit. I that's got what, That's Trump. Where right? DeSantis <laughs> went to Iowa, Newsom will come to Washington, D.C. to make his case as a national figure. That he's there to save the high-tech economy. And you got to do it and by, by doing a bailout. And these liberals will just march in lockstep. They'll repeat whatever they hear on the TV. What did Yang just say? That's what they're exactly. going to say. Exactly. The that's contagion. A, that, that, the that's, contagion. Already, that's already the narrative. They got it on Friday night. Hey, they're not taking Friday night off. They're hammering this nonstop when I left. They're hammering. And they're not, nobody's talking about how did this happen? How did we actually get here? Right? How did we actually get here? That's so what I want to ask you, Steve. So yeah. you just said a minute ago or a few minutes ago that the world's $300 trillion You don't need debt. to get too close. It's okay. very sensitive. Yeah. Who are we in debt to? First off, we're in debt to the Chinese. That own a First off, we have $32 trillion on, on the balance sheet of the Treasury. We have another $9 trillion at the, at the uh, Fed. The Japanese insurance companies own it. The, um, the, um, uh, the Chinese own it. Insurance companies here own it. But we own a lot of it. A lot of it's just created. We make up these bonds, right, that we, in fact, that we in fact own. We've, we've kind of paid for. So a big part of this is the public owning its own debt. Right, yep. so we own it to ourselves. Now, to the rest of the world, they owe it to everybody. They don't have the luxury of just creating itself. The reason, one of the reasons we have the luxury, we are the prime reserve currency. We we export dollars, and everybody's got to do every transaction in the world because of that. But it's going to be. But do you think when you talk about the dollar uh, under attack from this alliance, don't you think that the sanctions regime that our country has embraced over time has? gaslit that like it, has. I, I, it seems because to be the swift system the swift system be able to do sanctions and then cut them off the swift system which is the way you do transactions is is is, is exacerbated that, sanctions seem to always get a lot of bipartisan support in washington but if sanctions worked 
Cuba would be a Caribbean paradise, <laughs> not a shithole country. And if sanction, sanctions worked, you know, we would see Venezuela develop as the jewel of South America. The reality is sanctions tend to hurt the people that live in these countries. I haven't seen Maduro miss too many meals as a country. Well, I think, I think, I think the, the grabbing yeah. an empanada on TV is a classic historical moment. Remember that? He's giving his national address, and then he just grabs an empanada out of a drawer and then bites it and puts it back. That was basically tr Trump's moment with the taco salad, right? Yeah, but he's doing it while people are starving. The, the, the Trump I don't Tower think Trump made would the best do that. taco salads. So, Follow-up question. If we owe the debt to ourselves, why don't we just not pay it? You can't do that because it's actual debt. It's got an interest oh, payment. Okay. It's it's up there. You can't. You can't. By, by the way, by the way, there is an aspect. There, there, yeah. there is an aspect. Steve, you had a hard out. There, oh, there, there is an aspect of doing that, and that is, by the way, they asked it the other day, I think Timmons of North Carolina, to come up with the, the, trillion, dollar, the trillion dollar coin. The yes, trillion dollar yes. Coin someone create, someone you, mentioned you, that in member create, chat. And by the way, he asked the, the question, of, he asked the question of, of uh, would uh, Powell take it? Could you print a coin and just call it a trillion dollar coin and use that to actually delever Delover the United States, and he said, "Hey, that's a gimmick. Just like yeah. writing off the debt's a gimmick. We can't right. do that." I know you got to go writing off the interest, though. I mean, if the interest is owed to a fraudulent system like a Swiss bank, the Bank for International Settlements, why are we as Americans adhering to this? Why do you say why, why do you say that uh, it's a illegitimate system? Well, it's a Ponzi scheme. It's it's basically they give us money and then they demand interest back on the money they gave us. But we, in order to get the interest to pay it back, we have to borrow it from them. Okay. Default. I don't know. But like people should learn how to do some hard work or something. To Americans, though, right? Twenty-four. I think twenty-four trillion is owed to Americans. And by the way, that's the, of the next sixteen, we'll sell a couple of trillion to the Chinese, a couple of trillion to the to the Japanese, and we'll we'll owe it to ourselves. Yeah. So you got a hard stop, and we and we do need to start winding it down, I guess. So this has been absolutely awesome right. to, to sit here with you guys. How, have how, how did you? Uh, the question: How do you broadcast? From the Capitol, you're on YouTube. You're in the Capitol. I come here. I, I come here. My my, fi my file's been taken because I got four months in a federal prison coming up. Uh, my files are my files been sent to the Bureau of Prisons already. Steve I can't even come. I can't even come in the building. Our, There's enough offense to go around. Prison. How what do I have to do to get on war room? The first time we come down here, <laughs> our, <laughs> you're a hero. We love to book you. The first time we come, half the channels on our mixer aren't working. And we don't know why. We can't figure it. It makes no sense because we do this all the time. We have the mobile setup. So we're like, we're going we're gonna to come here. We're going to make sure it works. Everything's working perfectly. We sound check. Everything sounds great. Then all of a sudden, a half an hour before the show, the board just stops working outright. It's producing sound. The computer won't take it. And I'm like, this makes no sense. So we, do a, 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 we, we put one of the headphone outs into our ATEM. Everything's working perfectly. Then as soon as we click live, the audio just drops to like half levels. And we're like... Uh, Wait till I, we do I, I War Houston. Room Capital. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm all right there. before War Room Prison Break. Hey, I got okay. a text. It's awesome to see you on Tim Pool's show. I'll watch him a oh, lot. Cool, man. I love it. Oh, I appreciate By it. By the way, thank you I, so much. I got to go do Royce White. We're going right to on, absolutely. Another, YouTube, and we're, another we're, YouTube show. We're, we're wrapping up, but I will say, I think it would be awesome if, uh, I mean, next time they're, they're, there's big stuff going on in Washington, if we could do more of this stuff, I think it would be absolutely hold, hold, fantastic. Hold, hold, hold. No, no, no. We got to bring Gates and uh, Congressman Bishop to Harper's Ferry. They've I'm got for they, that they, too. They've got to He's go. been there before. To, they've got to go. You've been there. They, he, yeah, I he, left breadcrumbs. He has to wait till you see our Congressman Bishop has to go to Harper's Ferry. My wife wants to go skateboard there. She's a big skateboarder. So. Oh yeah, gotcha. yeah. We'll do a music video. I, 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 I think it'd be fantastic. We, we could have you in the music video. She can sing, and then we'll trigger the corporate liberal press. They'll be freaking do out. Do you ever mix the skateboarding in the music videos? Uh, no, I mean we could. I'm just saying. Gentlemen, uh, this has been absolutely incredible. I really do appreciate it. Uh, this has been fantastic. We got to do it, do it again. Um, is there, uh, you guys can follow me 
uh, at TimCast. You can become a member at TimCast.com if you want us to do more of this. The way things have been going economically, I think we're we are only surviving right now, and I mean this because of uh, the membership system that we have at TimCast.com. Ads will not support us. So, I mean, there was a period where ads were doing really well, but right now, for whatever it is, for whatever reason, ads are not doing so well. But because you guys become members at TimCast.com, I haven't really worried about it. So, so long as you are you believe in us and you keep supporting us, we'll keep doing more stuff like this. Do you guys want to shout anything out? I got a podcast called Firebrand. Hope everybody subscribes, and uh, even got a great episode with Dan Bishop in there. So, right if on. You, if you can't get enough. There's more out there for you. Great um, to be with you, Tim. Enjoy I, being here. Thank you so much for, for allowing us to, to come down to the Capitol again and do this. I mean, it's a tremendous opportunity for us. Uh, Matt, I think the work you do is absolutely fantastic. Both of you guys in the fight for, over the, the, the speakership, I was, we were all laughing. We were cheering when we were doing the show because it really did. It, it felt like somebody was actually just standing up for, for so, much, so, so many Americans who are tired of the machine. So uh, with that uh, being said, thank you all so much for, for everything. And for everybody who's watching, thanks for the support, and we'll see you all next time. Mics are still on, though. Excellent. <laughs> you got to wait for it on, uh, on, on YouTube before you can end it. Yep. Just, uh, just switch it back to the FedCast. I know they're...